Hello, everybody. We are doing uh, the Through Our Eyes podcast today. Um, mm. This, if you haven't been with us before, is a podcast where we highlight marginalized content creators, give a platform for their story, um, basically tackling taboos and and all of the things that people don't really talk about. Um, this came off of Paige's uh, um, uh, inspired, uh, um, well, baby, basically, uh, of a, uh, um, a stream series where groups of uh, people are being uh, um, uh, brought in to chat about all sorts of shenanigans, be it LGBTQIA, be it uh, health, be it um, being BIPOC, which is the next one. Would mm -hmm. you like to tell us about that? Yes. So I'm actually going to be starting uh, getting messages out to people tomorrow about the next through our stream. It's going to be around May 22nd. So that's a Saturday. So pretty much, yeah, exactly a month today. Uh, it's interviewing BIPOC creators, so Black, Indigenous, people of colour. We're also going to be supporting a BIPOC charity. We're just deciding which one, because there's myself and five other co-hosts. And we're all just trying to sort of choose the best, not too big, not too small charity who we think we can have the most impact raising for. But there's uh, some already incredible people signed up, and I'm very excited to talk with them. And it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a fantastic time. Some more will be coming out about that over time. But if anyone listening is wanting to take part, and they hear this before the 22nd of May, you can get in touch with me on Twitter, which is Paige H. Harvey. Or you can come find me on Discord or via the podcast or send a message to Drac, and I'm certain Drac can funnel it to me, and we can go from there. Yeah, and that goes for um, the podcast too. If you, if you are a marginalized creator and you would like to be on the podcast at any point we do have quite a a lineup already but we'll we'll talk we'll talk timings and stuffs mm -hmm. then do get in contact with me or you know join my discord or i don't know harangue sigh um li literally any way that you can find to contact one of us and we'll we'll talk about getting it sorted um but yes um i i just did a shout out for mouse but i'm trying to do a shout out, shout out for arthramus <laughs> who is my wonderful co-host hello um, that's me and today we have a very interesting um chat lined up for you would you like to introduce who you are for us yeah i can do that um I am Commander Plater, or Joe, um, when I'm not playing games, I guess. Um, I am a YouTuber, live streamer, and vlogger, um, and I am living with um, anaplastic thyroid cancer, which is typically the one they write you off over. <laughs> and that's it. They normally give you months to live. I was diagnosed about two and a half years ago. That's an ish. Um, I'm he, him. That's me. Fabulous. Cool. Um, oh, I haven't turned the alerts off. I was just about to say. <laughs> so, when while we get into this, obviously this is going to be a very uh, involved chat. Our alerts are off, which we've just done. Recording is going. I think. There is one note I would like to make, and that is just to ask people in the chat, 
if you have any kind of pseudoscience or any kind of suggestions, please keep them to yourselves. And that goes for every single chat that we have. Like, Drac and I, yes, we've tried yoga. Yes, we've tried swimming pools. Yes, we've tried <laughs> drinking nettle tea. I'm certain that Plato has had all these kinds of requests as well. When you have something medically wrong with you, just thinking positively ain't going to fix it. So if you have any kind of suggestions, we don't need to hear them right now. And I do mean that politely. You may think you're helping. It's not helpful, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, don't try and be um, the chat doctor. Um, we, in our, our journeys through our uh, uh, various illnesses or, or issues or our trials and tribulations, we have probably been through every single option <laughs> multiple times. We, while we're not medical doctors, we probably know enough about it ourselves to to know what works for us and what doesn't. So, um, as, yeah. as we always tell other people, be your own best advocate, and we are our own best advocates. Like, I'm not going to make any suggestions for Plato on how to live with cancer because I don't have cancer. I don't know. I'm not going to make any suggestions, uh, you know, to anyone else. Like, oh, have you tried this? It's like, well, I've never tried that. So why would I suggest it to somebody else? Like that. This is not how this works. So yes, as we say, and I know the mods are already on it and have very nicely said, if anyone does post anything like that and it's deleted, it's not because we don't appreciate that you are trying to be caring, it's that we've asked you not to. We know that it comes from a caring place, but it's, it's, trust me, we've already tried it. <laughs> anyway, so will you tell us your story? Sure. Um, it's pretty long and it's pretty complicated. Um, and Paige, I've got, I've got to say, that's probably the second time I've seen a black cat walk past you and I had a Matrix moment. And I thought, no, yeah. it's a glitch in the Matrix, but no. No, this is just him walking around the rooms constantly. There's two doors on either side of me. Right. That would do it. Are you serious? So, um, I started my journey with thyroid cancer in 2014. Um, I had a, I found a lump down here, um, quite a sizable lump, and I actually found that back in 2011. So, um, plot twist, time travel, back in 2011, I go to a doctor, um, and at the time I was in the process of moving from London back to Hertfordshire, um, and they're like, well, there's no point I was making appointments for you, here's a letter, take it to your GP, they gave me a letter, the letter was titled, Suspected Cancer Form, always a concern. So, took this letter to my GP, raw panic, started a new job having just moved house. And um, I go in and they arrange me having a biopsy done. Biopsy comes back clear, absolutely nothing wrong with it, normal. And it was um, identified as being what's called a polynodule goiter, which is fine. Something you don't have to worry about, um, very, very common, um, can be um, managed. And as long as it doesn't cause any discomfort, doesn't have to have surgery for. Then 2014 comes around, um, I start having some weird things happen when I was trying to sleep. So sometimes I'd wake up and I couldn't swallow and I was like going, <laughs> kind of like almost gulping and uh, I couldn't breathe um, at certain points. We're like, okay, well, this is probably because of this. We'll go and, we'll go and talk to a doctor and just have it removed because obviously it's grown. Had another scan done and they just went, cool, let's just... Um, Let's just have the operation, we'll remove half of your thyroid and go from there. Um, 
And then six weeks later, um, I went in for my, my consultant um, appointment just to kind of have a chat with the surgeon and see how I was going, see how I was recovering. And I was going in there with like a, well, I'm looking forward to getting back in the gym and lifting some weights. Can I start doing that today? And before I could even get into that conversation, he went with a, um, ah, so have a look at the results and the lab work. And it's about an 80% chance you'll be fine, but there's about a 20% chance it could be thyroid cancer. I'm like, well, that's a punch in the gut. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd, gone, I'd gone back to work. I'd already been back at work for um, a couple of weeks. And I went back to work and I was just like, I'm a mess. But it's been told there's a chance I have cancer when we thought this thing was fine. Well, time goes on. We have, um, we have an, another, another bit of time. And um, I go back in two weeks later and he drops the bombshell and says, oh, it's thyroid cancer, but don't worry, it's the good kind. Like, what? He's like, it's follicular thyroid cancer. If you wanted to pick a cancer, it would be this one. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> this, is some, this is something lots of doctors say to thyroid cancer patients. It's the good cancer to have. Very manageable, very treatable. We can cure this. We can get rid of this. All right. And I, I'm like, I'm ruined at this point. And I'm like, well, what happens now? He's like, well, what we need to do is we need to get you back in to remove the other half of your thyroid before we can start treatment. So I'm like, okay, so it's another surgery. Yes, it's another surgery. I'm like, oh God. Oh God, like seriously? Like, yeah, it's, an, it's, an, it's, another, it's another surgery. So like, cool, right. We prepare for that. And I went, when? He went Friday? And it was literally like four days away. I'm like, you what? He went, yeah, I think we've waited long enough. So I, I basically go, I, go back into work i have a sit down i have a cry with my boss and i'm like i've got cancer i can't i can't i can't work i can't work today i can't i can't do it and um we then began the arrangements of me preparing everything for me to be off for another two weeks they told me it was the good kind i assumed everything would be fine um, i go in and i have that i have that surgery that went just the same as the last one except now i have to take a tablet every day to um supplement what would be my thyroid function um, at the same time, they arrange a CT scan. I go in for a CT scan only a week after my surgery and only a week after coming out of hospital. So I've still got still got my stitches across there, um, looking like Frankenstein's monster. Um, I still can't really put my arms above my head comfortably because I'm worried about my neck tearing open, my head falling off backwards and you know, all this kind of ridiculous stuff. And the scan comes back. Eventually I have the scan and it comes back and... Um, I'm sat there at my first consultant uh, oncology appointment and they go, oh yeah, a CT scan's brought up something in your lungs. So turns out it already spread to my lungs. So I was dying. So at that point, we've got stage four follicular thyroid cancer. I begin treatment for that, which is radioactive iodine. So that's where you go into hospital and you take uh, an iodine capsule of iodine-131, which is a radioactive isotope of iodine. Um, thyroid tissue is one of the only tissues in the body that absorbs iodine. The idea being is it absorbs the iodine, it gets incorporated into what its normal function, but it doesn't work. So it falls apart and the cells die. That's the gist of it. Very minimally invasive, low risk. You have a couple of days in the hospital where you're in a lead-lined room. And then when you come home, uh, you can't be near anyone for a few days. They give you some restrictions and they scan you and they're like, right, well, your reading is this many microsieverts, so we don't have to worry about this. Uh, but you can't go near children, you can't go near pregnant women, you can't get, go near pets. Got, had a cat, have a cat now. So it's kind of like a, 
he had to go into a category for it. Which is fine, you know, it's something to do to go and get him after. But yeah, did four of those treatments over the course of maybe a year and a bit. Um, then I found another lump down here. So further along, original one was there. This one was further along here. Um, could it, I just clarify mm. what the timeline is of this at the moment? Oh, timeline. So we you had the surgery after after you've got... Uh, so the, surgery the in 2014. Yeah. So that was all in one year. Um, so that actually happened in, I think that was mm, August. So that was August. Right. I think that would have been. August is when I kind of went in and they decided they're going to do surgery. Then I had surgery in September, then October. Then the radioactive iodine treatment started in January. Cool. Um, right. So that, that's kind of, so in 2015. And then I did a couple, so literally a couple of years until 2016, um, which is where I found found the lump come up for the larger lump. So that's 2016 may ish um we're up to that point and they do another biopsy of it and they go oh yeah that's still follicular thyroid cancer so we're going to cut that out so i go in for another surgery and they go to do what's called a neck dissection and one of the things i identify in there is that my jugular was actually um completely cut off encased in cancer um and they had to remove one of the vocal cords that goes to my neck to, or sorry, one of the nerves that goes to my left vocal cord. Um, and then I was, had like a numb mouth, numb tongue, um, numb shoulder. And I still have numbness from kind of here down to about here where I can't feel anything on the surface um, at all. So I've got a scar that runs all the way up. So around yeah. there, quite the sizable scar. Um, and from that, I was in hospital for five days. I lost five kilos. I couldn't eat because I couldn't swallow because I didn't have the nerves. Couldn't drink. Couldn't swallow my own saliva either. So I couldn't sleep. So I went five days pretty much without sleep, uh, without food. Um, I had to be fed by NG tube, which is nasal gastric. So through your nose, down into your stomach. And they pump you full of calories. Pretty grim experience. Um, and that was, that was in, that's, that's us up to, what is that? August 2016 at that point. Um, I then had a follow-up appointment with my oncologist six weeks after. Um, so it's what, middle of September. And then he turns around and says to me, have you ever heard of anaplastic thyroid cancer? And I'm like, that's the shit that kills you. And he's like, yes. It has a very poor prognosis. It's normally measured in months. And I'm really sorry to tell you, but we identified that there, were, there was plastic cancer in your neck. So I'm just like, well, I'm done then I. Burst into tears, I had my dad with me. Um, I was expecting a really just simple chat, going like, a, could we try something more aggressive than what we were doing with the radioactive iodine? It didn't seem to be working that well. And it was just a complete out of the blue, um, welled up, tears with my dad. Went out, went out, walked out of the room, burst into tears, just grabbed hold of my dad and hugged him, just kept saying, I'm dead, over and over again. As I said, I'm dead, I'm dead. I'm dead because that's that's how it felt at the time it really did feel that like my entire world had just been pulled out from underneath me on the way home i text my wife and i'm like can you come home please we need to talk she's like what is it and i'm like don't make tell you by text i don't want to oh i can't do that um i told her we both got very upset together and um then we were back in the hospital the day after that was a thursday back in the hospital the day after the friday to talk a different hospital to talk to my consultant and he was like, this is your option. This is chemotherapy. We can start it. 
um, we want to start it as soon as possible. Um, and within a week, I'd started chemotherapy. I did six cycles of chemotherapy, um, and I finished that. Wow, what long was that? So I finished that in um, at this point because it just felt like everything's gone on forever. Um, we were into 2017 when I finished that. So February 2017, where I finished six cycles of chemotherapy. Um, anyone that's been through chemotherapy will know it's not fun. And you don't know it's working either. <laughs> so you're having scans and then they go, yeah, yeah, it looks like it's, things are still, still okay, still stable. I'm like, well, good, let's keep going then. And that immediately gives you a psychological boost. But during this time, I was bedbound. I was, um, felt sick all the time. Um, one of the things that was absolutely appalling was constipation because the anti-sickness meds, well, you know, there's, there's one called Ondansetron, uh, which <laughs> shuts everything down. It was, um, so that was pretty rough. That was the worst thing ever. Um, <laughs> really, that was the worst part of chemotherapy. <laughs> um, but then it uh, started doing damage to my veins. So my veins were hardening. So um, I don't have a vein on the inside crook of my elbow anymore there. It's gone. It, it's, it's scarred up and been reabsorbed. It's gone. It's um, other side. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I did all of that, then stopped. And I had eight months with nothing happening, which was brilliant. Then had another scan. Turns out I've grown a bit more. And then we started another treatment called Lenvatinib. Um, this is a, a, a TKI or a kinase inhibitor, which stops cancer cells from growing, dividing, and vascularizing. That's the idea behind it. That's what it's supposed to do. Um, and that worked for me for a year and a half, up until Monday, <laughs> this Monday, literally, um, I found out that it started growing again, got some scan results back. So really, I'm at this point where I'm ready to face the next thing and see what happens. But that's, that's from there to now. That's my story. That's, that's who I am. That's where I am. Pretty comprehensive. Sorry, I rambled. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, it's, but, it's going to be one of those things. It's, it's a long process that you've been through and uh, to really understand what's brought you to this point we need to know start to finish so don't worry about rambling <laughs> yeah it's, it's very much it feels like i've done it all as well so it's um and, uh, what i will say is that the looking back and my first consultant who was a surgeon saying thyroid cancer is the good kind to have i tell you what it don't bloody feel like it no, I, I mean, no. I, I, that fills me full of fucking rage right now. Like the idea that your first um, interaction when it comes to that is, oh, that's the good kind that you want. It's like, yeah, that there isn't, there isn't a, there isn't a good kind. No, um, it feels kind of like what we were saying earlier. It feels like it came from a place of caring, of trying to be reassuring, but it that's not what you want to hear you, you want to I, th I think at least for when i've had the diagnosis of something i just want to be told what it is what do we do about it i don't want to be told oh you're gonna be okay it's like okay i was hoping that was the case anyway what's the actual issue here like yeah yeah what are we gonna do about it it's, yeah. it's mine it's like a don't tell me we're gonna be okay things go sideways tell me what we're gonna do uh, and I, I always want to know what we're gonna do when it goes wrong yeah because yes. I'm my worst case scenario doom planner. I need Which to, I need is to one of the what's... things that they don't seem to ever tackle is the fact that anyone who's chronically ill or even just 
like you're just visiting your doctor for a a a like minor illness you want to know what happens if the first thing doesn't work or the if if you don't find anything from the first thing or just just what the game plan is because you want to have i mean I don't know about anyone else, but for me, I like to have at least a year, if not five-year game plan of what the heck's going on. And the idea that they don't tackle that is... is... strange. <laughs> I mean, I, I understand why, because they don't want to fill people full of dread and gloom when they're going mm. through a tough time already. Um, but I have never found that living in a world of sunshine and rainbows when it's dark and stormy is probably the best thing to do. You know, I want to I want to know what's next. I need to know what's next and I need to be prepared for it because that's what everyone asks you. Yeah, that's yeah. That's, that's the question. they are. What's the plan then? What do you go for? Well, you know, we're just going to do this and cool. Yeah, that's it. You know, it doesn't isn't great to me. It's it okay, it'll off be fine, though. Yeah, yeah. It, Oh, you know, I'm sure you'll be all right. No. Yeah, and that's, that's why we always push for self self advocacy on this podcast. Because if the if the surgeon had left you with, oh, it's the good kind, so we'll sort it. It's like, cool. Could you ever have guaranteed that they've called you? Could you ever have guaranteed you they've got a letter or actually had a follow up? Because so many people get lost in this system that. Even at the most dreadful moment, the fact you still have to, you know, tell the doctor how they need to deal with their, <laughs> what your next steps need to be is so fucking hard. It, it feels really, really kind of old school that it's the good kind. And, it, and I've come across it from other, other um, cancer patients, thyroid mm. cancer patients in particular. Um, on my vlog, I spoke about it. I put a video up saying, don't, like, stop saying this. And it's a bunch of things that you should probably stop saying to someone um, who has cancer or terminal illness. Or you really just, just stop saying it. Like, um, and one of them was the the good kind of cancer. And I had comment after comment saying, "Yep, experienced this. Yep, mine one did this. They did that. Yep." And um, some of the nurses are like, "Are they still saying that?" So <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, they are. I'm like, oh god, they shake their heads. It's always the nurses who turn around and go, what the fuck? And you're like, oh, okay, I see you've recently recently uh, done some training or read up on this. That's lovely. Can I talk to you? No, apparently you're not allowed. Okay. <laughs> yep. Nurses are fucking amazing, and I do feel sad that they see all the shit that, that they can't actually say anything about. Well, depends where you go. True. Some of the nurses are very brutal. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Mount, Mount Vernon Cancer Center, they're great. They, they they deal with people who have limited time so i think you know you get to cut through some bullshit and that's quite nice yeah yeah right so i'm, I'm probably going to be a bit teary-eyed through most of this in general it's quite triggering for me um which is something that i wanted to highlight for chat as well if you find anything that is talked about during this podcast triggering feel free to step away feel free to um i i did pull up that uh link if you need help if you need someone to talk to um it's okay to feel uncomfortable or or, or come back to it when you can um because this is one of those things where 
a lot of people have had someone in their life have some sort of experience with this. Um, it's usually one of your relatives that, that you've had to experience it with, whether or not, whatever eventuality happened with that, it's still a very emotional topic. Um, but yeah, the reason why I find it triggering is my granddad has prostate cancer and the chemo has actually made him have chronic pain to a point where now he can't have the chemo right and they're not treating it so they're basically leaving him as a lost cause because of his age because he's too weak for it and this is one of the things that i find extremely frustrating is that they have a scale of how worthy someone is of treatment for something like cancer and let's i feel like this is this is something that's very close to home for a lot of people at the moment because during a pandemic they are being cutthroat with who classifies for what kinds of treatments and what whether or not you're worth the time whether it be you've got cancer or whether or not you've got chronic illness or whether or not you you're disabled that people are being treated as though they are expendable and it's i, I know that it's something very close to to Paige's heart as well recently where it's just it's it's infuriating that during this time were there's a whole bunch of people being treated as though they're not they're less than human they don't have the right to to have that treatment um i don't know what what do you guys think do you well, want to take sorry i was gonna say do you want to take a minute track and we can we can take take this for a few it's, minutes it's okay i'm, I'm... yeah Oh, you've got a cat now, you're fine. Ah, cat delivery. That's how it works, isn't it? You yes, know, you're upset, you get a cat, and you're good. This one's turned up as well. <laughs> yeah. No, it's okay. It's As I said, I'm going to get emotional, because it's an emotional topic. Mm-hmm. And we should be emotional. And there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with being emotional. That goes to everyone, actually. Everyone who's watching. If ever you need a moment to have a, you know, to cry, or get upset, or get angry, that's okay. But we... don't let it destroy you. That's, the, that's yeah. the only thing. It's like, you know, you can embrace the dark side, but don't let it corrupt you fully and take over. You know, that's that's what it's like. It's as simple as that. It's, it's about having some balance. And it's very hard to find people that have emotional balance, well, don't have emotional balance, who function well in mm. all aspects of their life. You'll, you'll find that they're mm. missing something. And it's uh, actually, I'd much rather be a well-balanced emotional person than I would be. Um, someone who's super super shut off from things and distant, but never shows a weak side. And now don't do that. No. So, it's, it's okay. It's weakness. okay to not be okay. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to experience and show emotion. If if you like, I, the idea that you're not supposed to show any emotion is is ludicrous. Because like, if you're not supposed to show emotion about things like this. What the hell are you supposed to show emotion about? It's, it's, yeah. It's, 
Emotional anyway. constipation is a real problem. <laughs> constipation in any form is yeah. a real problem. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that recently. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. dear. Yes, right. Please nobody recommend prune juice. I will beat you. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> prune juice. Yeah. Um, See, what's the nuclear option? That's why I say no, no. Oh, what if you can actually work? Oh Senna. no. Yeah. I. I, um, I mean, you know, let's talk about shit for a minute, I guess. But yeah. it's kind of like, um, <laughs> I like during chemotherapy. Um, I I had to use suppositories. Yeah. And oh my god, that was the only. It was the only thing, and I had to had to use it. Um, like. I don't know, like only only once after each cycle of chemotherapy, because it's the first day of chemo where you went in and had your infusions, they would give you all of the anti-sickness stuff. And if I didn't take the first time, the first cycle, no one warned me. They didn't warn me. Like, oh, yeah, we do find people get constipated. Well, why the fuck didn't you give me anything or warn me? <laughs> Come on. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm there at four o'clock in the morning, sitting on the toilet, scrabbling, scrabbling around like I'm trying to power a Flintstones car. <laughs> and I'm like, this is awful. Yeah. And then I eventually went, okay, right, we'll put put something up. <laughs> 15 minutes. Boom, done. Relief. <laughs> Perfect. Everything's back to normal now. And I, I knew that for the second cycle. So yeah. I identify God. with that so much in the sense of uh, um, having an illness where they give you all of the things that you know, you, part of my illness gives me constipation, right? Let's just put it out there. And then they give you all of the things that give you constipation. So... Yes. <laughs> yeah, and then they never give you anything to solve the constipation. Yeah, the painkillers they give me cause severe constipation <laughs> because, I mean, it metabolizes into morphine in the stomach and I take eight of those a day. And uh, they don't tell you and they don't prescribe you anything either. And buying your own anti-fucking you know, constipation medication isn't cheap. No. Because it's all got a brand name. Yeah. yeah. So, they and it takes like They gave me three different types. Um, they gave me Movacol, um, sodium docusulfate, and um, Senna. And they were like, Senna can be a bit brutal. can be a bit rough, <laughs> a little bit forceful. So you're better off you having the Movacol if you can have the Movacol. And one of my problems during during chemo is that I felt so sick that I couldn't I couldn't get enough in. So I was like, I'm only having like one sachet, sachet a day. Well, that's not enough for it to work. It's like you're fucking telling me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm I'm the one who he was literally just bloating up because I'm full of food. I'm still getting hungry. I, I've got to put food in, but I'm not coming out. Um, but there are some things that just don't quite. It's too late. Like once once you're once you're solidly bunged up. It's just too late. Yeah. It's too late for Plus, Senna. Senna can I mean, only do so much. Yeah, it's very much a preemptive thing, really. That's why, you know, like, I recommend it, because if you're on a medication that constantly gives you constipation, you just have to make sure you take that when you can. Uh, but the other thing I will mention, and this is going to go into some nice, gritty detail for people. Um, what do you think happens when you're constipated, but you do actually manage to poop? Do you know how thin the skin around your anus is? And do you know, especially if you're a woman... <laughs> the taint area <laughs> that thing can split and that will actually happen to a lot of women when you have a child 
And if that splits, but obviously it's near a whole bunch of poop and things, you can get infections very easily, and you can get uh, you can get fissures and everything. So you need to make sure if you're ever going to need to go on chemotherapy or have a medication that says may cause constipation, get treatment beforehand. Read it, sugar pixie has a lot of trouble with things like this and says it feels like pooping shards of glass that's probably the exact thing and it's because it causes rips in the skin in your butt and then you get a ton of blood and nobody ever tells you that that's meant to happen or actually it's not meant to but it's gonna and then you call a doctor and they're like oh it's fine it's like is 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 could you have told me could you not have prescribed something no okay fine so yes that's <laughs> that's why you can't just live with constipation if it, it does it gets that bad they it will get that bad really need to put like a simplified warning label on on medications <laughs> that isn't the giant like list that you're not oh, supposed to read because you could potentially it. think that you're going to get half of those yeah. things and it's like mm. okay just put the the a nice friendly user-friendly version on <laughs> It's yeah. like, you're probably gonna get constipated, don't worry about Especially it. Especially when they're like, read the leaflet, and you read the leaflet, it's like, may cause death, and it's like, enough of that! Like, <laughs> Jesus! It's like, great, I'm, I'm not, hmm, maybe I'm not gonna read this. It's like, may cause this, and it's like, yeah, but one in 40,000 people. It's like, it doesn't put the statistics on there, it's just, low cause of death, it's like... Mm, well, do I really need this painkiller? <laughs> Either way, that's just a, a fun little segue into heart <laughs> issues. But something with medications that you oh, want to be careful dear. of. Surprise side effects are not the best side effects. No. Um, right, so I feel like this leads us into <laughs> our next question. <laughs> of What has helped you come to terms with your diagnosis and the symptoms you experience? Even so, the surprise ones. Even the surprise ones. Well, to be mm. honest, they're all surprise ones, really. Mm. Um, but I, I have never felt unwell from having cancer. Never. Um, before I was diagnosed, I was in the gym six times a week, lifting weights. I was strong. I was getting lean. I was. I had had meal plans. I used to make all my meals on a Thursday, put them in tubs, have them for the week. Um, you know, I would. I would literally cook. What was it forty-two meals on in one day? Make them all. Get them all ready. Boom! In the fridge. Great then down the gym this is the workout plan i was that kind of person felt absolutely great <clears throat> until i was like <clears throat> until then and that was the only symptom i've ever had so i had and all this time it was in my lungs already so i had no way of knowing so i've had very little in the way of symptoms from cancer itself but the symptoms i've had are from treatment and this is often one of the things that causes a lot of misunderstanding and misinformation about treatments um like the, well, chemotherapy kills people, for example. It's like, well, look, chemotherapy can weaken you, yes. But, w but what is made of you? Cancer. So that's the point. You know, if it's, it's tough enough to put you down, it's tough enough to put the cancer down. That's the idea behind it. You know, it's setting fire to the lawn to get rid of the weeds. That's great. Understand that. And that's things like that that I do. So it makes perfect sense is that, yeah, cancer's like weeds. Shouldn't be there. You burn the lawn. Great. Everything dies off. But then the grass goes back. And that's the hope behind it. So I, I, I put things in those little bits of context for me to help get my head around what I'm, what I'm going through and what I'm dealing with. And it's kind of like, a, right, how can I turn what is essentially a micro problem into a macro solution? 
I look at it in a bigger way that is very easy to explain to people. And I give, I love analogies and metaphors. I think they're amazing. They are so useful. Mm. Um, like so, so useful. And, and I do a lot of that. Um, and I used to be a professional fighter. So I, I used to used to kickbox and that used to be my job. I was, um, you know, I used to teach, I used to fight and I used to compete and I competed in the world championships in 2011 and I was on the English team. I was, I was decent top eight of my weight class for that year. Like pretty cool. So for me, I'm like mentally, that's it. It's a fight. So hands up. What do you need to do? Do I need to train myself for anything? Well, yeah, if I know I'm going to be going into um, chemotherapy again, which right now is a very real option. I need to start building my body back up as quickly as possible. I need to start putting in as much, you know, as much protein, carbs, no fat, vegetables in, getting, make sure, like trying to put some weight on, put some bulk on. And the same with some muscle, because that's going to be the first thing that goes. So for me, I'm like, right, how can I, how can I fight the side effects in that way? And how can I move forward? Um, one of the side effects I've really suffered with from one of the medications I've been on for the year and a half, the Lenvatinib is diarrhea you know we're talking about constipation well now i'm completely other direction. <laughs> um and to the point where i lost 20 kilos mm. over that year and a half and you know yeah i i went into it and i was 90 90 kilos never been that heavy before so i was too heavy but now i'm too light yeah. so I, I and i had no energy because of it and i've only recently over the last, last kind of month or so hit that right let's see what i can put in and you know that doesn't give me problems so yeah i switched to things like well whenever i felt really bad i'll have rice and that would be okay so let's have rice and let's have a lean protein with just some chicken that's great that stayed in can i start building on that and pushing things out and testing things and being super aware of what i'm eating see you know does that depend on how i feel and stuff like that so i really focus on some evidence-based planning you know i perform for my own experiments at home with what i eat to see if that makes a difference and it seems to it seems to have made a lot of difference like me a month ago i wouldn't be doing this now i'd be too tired or i'd be sitting there going yeah okay uh, feeling really really sick because of the nausea and all that kind of stuff so that has really helped um sorry you're right yeah, apparently I'm choking on my own spit here. Okay. <clears throat> this happens every bloody time. <laughs> um, right. Um, I was going to ask. Um, you said that you've very recently, um, uh, Monday, been and had more news. How are you? dealing and coping with that uh well on monday i was feeling really rough anyway because i had like a really dodgy stomach because i'd had a um had a had a takeaway and it was a mistake that, that whatever was in the meat was too spicy and it it ruined me so um i was feeling pretty rough and i got the news and obviously i sit down and talk to my wife about it immediately because it was a phone call mm. um so i'm literally i'm lying in bed um, got to get the phone call, answer it, talk about it. And immediately I know it's bad news because the oncologist is umming and ahhing and um, stuttering all over the shop. I'm like, yeah, spit it out. Like, I've already waited three weeks for the scan results, I think. I think now's a good time for you to spit it out and get it out. And he, and he tells me, and um, so I'm like, okay, cool. Well, guess we'll build a plan. 
I guess we'll build a plan up and um, you know, we'll, we'll look at all of the options. First thing for me is immediately I've got to go and tell everyone that's, that I need to. Um, so it goes, parents, brothers, friends, sit on it. Make sure all of them have read, responded, and understand it before I go and tell everyone else. Then I am, um, I say it's time to have a shower, and I go in the shower and I put some music on and I cry. That's that's a pretty standard thing. Get really upset. Um, some of it's anger that can't come out any other way. Um, where I'm just like, I am so like, how did I get here? So I start thinking about how I got here, and I'm like, yeah, it's a pretty long story. Yeah, and it it sucks. It is it is what it is, but it's down to blind chance. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't anything I did. And I know that I know it wasn't anything I did. So I can't pinpoint a moment and say, ah, oh, that's because you did this. It's not like that. Like they still don't know the cause of thyroid cancer at all. Um, I've got some theories, but only theories without any evidence behind them. So I can't put my finger on anything. And it just comes down to a, right. I know that I'll distract myself and the back end of my brain, I'll sort it out. It'll, when I come back around to talking about it, I can talk much more calmly about it, focused, and I like the clear path of what happens next. Um, and there is a clear path currently, so that that helps. Um, of course, once you come to the end of that clear path, then it's the unknown, <laughs> and that's where things that's where things are scary because you can't plan for an unknown like that. It's completely out there. So, but yeah, that, that's typically what I try and do. Can be uh, can be difficult though. Um, sorry, my brain keeps on just switching off as I look at like right. <laughs> Every time I look at my questions, my brain just goes meh. Um, right. Um, I wanted to take a a brief interlude in between all of the heavy stuff. Um which I feel like will benefit everyone involved if you actually tell us a story that brings you great joy. Um, hmm, joy. Wow, what's that? It's been years. No, that's not true. Um, but there was, there was some... I've got one about later as well. <laughs> oh. Uh-oh. Um, is that Beat Saber related? Is that... It is Beat Saber oh, related, it is. I haven't played that for months. Um, but one of the one of the, one of the particularly like entertaining things that I have really and, and enjoyable things that I've managed to do is I have um, I've made some really good friends online, and spending time with those friends has been amazing. And we did something where, um, based around my Discord community and my YouTube channel uh, for gaming, um, one of the games that I play a lot of is Elite Dangerous, which um, you know, I think people know about. I might have heard of Paige. I don't know if you've heard of it. No, no, just just once or twice, once or twice. Don't um, know how Paige would have heard anything like that. No, yeah, no, what's that about? But yeah, so around that, we have um, we have a have a squadron and stuff, and I arranged a meetup, and we put a meetup together. We said, right, picked a date, picked a place, picked a time, and went. Everyone be there. I'm not buying the drinks. Just so you know, I'm not buying your food either, but we've got a table booked. That's it. And 25 people turned up, which was massive. And that's, we had a couple of people from Germany. I was like, crazy. Like people from another country came to meet up and we got to, um, 
we got to kind of have burgers and beers and stuff and it was just a really really great time um um <laughs> hunter in the chat they're saying employed con yep it was employed con one and it was fantastic because it was just a really really great relaxing time and i had only finished chemotherapy six weeks before that so that was a real like uh i hadn't drunk at all during chemo because i couldn't do it and it was um it was just great it was absolutely amazing and then we did another one um like a follow-up one um which was called um ployed con 2 the drunkening and we uh again loads of people turned up including someone from texas this time which was uh, again absolutely incredible and it was just really great to meet all these people that you've spoken to online and put put names to faces and have beers and have a chat and talk about stuff and just be ridiculous and that's been that was like really great like absolutely fantastic really enjoyed them um Paige, you said you wanted to share your story about plato too <laughs> yeah so i will have to apologize up front because uh not to make this about me but over the last year and a bit since i left frontier i have uh been diagnosed with new issues and i have a, a lovely slew of memory issues that come along with them so certain dates and details go a little blurry occasionally so people will have to correct me if i'm wrong but i believe it was fantasticon yeah it was fantasticon excellent in in yeah. Grimsby. Yep. So uh, it was fantastic on when I was still working for Frontier Development as uh, Elite Dangerous Community Manager. And we were going to a slew of events, a bunch of us, and Commander Plato was there. And, uh, you know, we weren't exactly sure how Plato was going to be because you've been going through a right fucking rough time with it. But you were going to be there and it was like awesome. That's really cool because obviously I've, I've known Plato for as long as I worked at Frontier. It's like four odd years. Um, and I remember talking to Commander Ascorbius, who came and talked to me. He was like, I think he's doing all right today. I'm really proud of him. Like, this is my friend. I'm so proud of him. Like, he's here. I know he hasn't felt too good today, but, like, it makes me so happy to see him. And I was like, mate, you're an amazing friend. Like, of course he's doing okay if his friends are here to rally around him. And then somebody brought up playing um, Beat Saber in VR. And... This dude who we thought was going to have a little bit of a rough day was like, I'll play. And this just this entire group of people at this event all crowded around to watch one man we'd see go through so much bullshit and live with a terminal diagnosis with all his friends around him just kicking the ass of VR games when most of us who were pretty much you know, well and able-bodied, we just stood there going, oh, I'm out of breath just fucking looking at this, my God. And then you and I sat down for a good hour or so afterwards. People kept coming to try up and talk to me. I'm like, no, I'm busy. Like, <laughs> we're having a conversation, yeah. sorry. <laughs> um, but uh, that was... And I try not to use the words inspiration that often because around disability and illness, you hear a lot of inspiration porn. Like, oh, you're so inspirational. No. As somebody who lives for something like that, that's not what I mean. But it was inspirational to me who had arrived with a bucket full of medications and walking sticks and, you know, all the stuff I'd left in my room because I was too embarrassed to bring it with me to see somebody like Plater, who was having a little bit of a rough day, be surrounded by people that loved him, still kicking ass and doing the things that he enjoyed and making time for others. And it gave me a little bit more strength to manage that day. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what I was to say to that. 
<laughs> the, 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 the people saying they're, you're an inspiration is i'm always confused by that because i am yeah. so like i was like really me but i'm a dickhead what do you want yeah, I'm, like, I'm like <laughs> i I, I, sp I speak my mind sometimes it's offensive and i don't care and it's like but that's how i feel right there and in that moment or i wouldn't say it and um just yeah that whole kind of a we will say, no, it's inspirational. Or, you know, you said exactly how I feel. I couldn't have put it any better. Or I didn't realise that other people felt that way. I was like, yeah, I just keep saying stuff. So it's, it's, it blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. Why I try to only use that when it's like, no, something that actually caused an action. That to me is inspirational. Uh, there's, a, there's a difference very much between somebody else's story making you feel good when it's not for you and somebody else inspiring you to be better or to do something yourself. I think that's where the real difference lies. But yeah, that's why I always just remember that one. Just like, and again, I'm going to embarrass him when he hears this, but Scorb's face, I have never seen such platonic love on a man's face. <laughs> I have never seen somebody be so proud. And like, he was following you around like a little lost puppy. And <laughs> Oh, I love Scorby. I still love Scorby. And we, we don't chat as much anymore just because we've both been ridiculously busy and COVID is COVID. But yeah, I, yeah. Just well, the look on his face told me everything I needed to know. There's, there's another funny story about Fantasticon, um, which I'm going to, I really hope this gets back to Scorb because this is absolutely, I feel like this is slowly becoming like the poo cast, but this is, this is, <laughs> so I'm, I'm standing there with a group of people and I, and I'm, I've been drinking that day and I never really, really drink. Mm. I don't drink anymore. Um, and you know, it's like a few hours in, beers in, I'm feeling real, feeling up at this point. Haven't hit that slump. Like, yeah, this is great. And then I get a, um, I'm standing there chatting to people, having a laugh, or talking about Elite Dangerous, or talking about some streaming, or you know all that kind of stuff. And I get a, uh, I get a, um, a missed call, and I'm like, "Oh, it's Scorb. What do you want?" <laughs> and then I see I've got a couple of messages, and it's a uh, mate, uh, mate. Um, I've run out of toilet paper, <laughs> and th this is taking this, this is taking place in a sports centre. Yeah, it's open, and and you know they are people are in and out swimming. People are there, you know, using the gym and stuff, and they're going in and out of the toilet and stuff. And um, I'm like, and I go, excuse me, everyone, and I just walk straight off, um, phone in hand, <laughs> burst open the, to the toilet door, and I'm like, which one are you in? He went the middle one, <laughs> and um, I check 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 one of the toilet stalls is is um is for one of them. I leave around the corner. I was like. Come on over, and love it over. Uh, like, thanks, mate. <laughs> it was like full on code brown. I was like, yeah. Oh wow! Like, I went, You're welcome. Now hurry up. Come on. <laughs> and I just walked straight out again. Okay, sorry about that, guys. And then I waited for him to come back before telling everyone what happened. That's <laughs> <laughs> what you got to do. Oh, is that why he was red for the rest of the evening? <laughs> uh, well, that might have been the beers. Um, ah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, absolutely Robin a dog, just ah. Oh! <laughs> yeah, he loved that dog. It was a beautiful dog there. But yeah, that was um, that was really one of the seriously one of the funniest things mm. that could have happened then. Plus, I was being told off for fighting with swords, but that's nothing. Yeah. Oh God, I forgot about the sword fight. I actually left the room at that point because I was like, "There's, there's, 
There's not even the stage. There's no barriers. There are children six feet from those swords. Oh, my mm. God. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah, there was an open-air sword fight. Don't do that near children, please. No, oh, no, my no. God. <laughs> that wasn't mine and Scorp's sword fight, but we did get no, told off for Because earlier on in the day, we'd been swinging the swords around, and the, and the organiser came over and went, hey, guys, how you doing? Can I just take these off of you? You guys enjoying the day? You having a good time? I was like, we just... <laughs> We just got primary school teachers. We've <laughs> <laughs> been absolutely ransacked. Now get out of the sand. Yeah. Leave. Dear. <sighs> what a weird day yeah. that was. Yeah. <laughs> it really was. Yeah. Yeah. We ended up eating barbecue at like a shop near the promenade. That was weird. I mean, we, we stole mid- yeah. we stole someone's taxi. <laughs> um and we but we bundled in with him like he got in like, oh this is my tax and he was actually one of the guys that was there to promote his book he was, he was an author a guy called jack man yeah um, and he got accosted by scorb and made him write out and sign a book to me or to the ployd and um then then we got in his taxi with him to then go and because his hotel was also in in Grimsby, but we were mm-hmm. further down. We're, oh, we'll just take us to the next place. We'll do that, <laughs> and it'll be fine. To- yeah. Totally ransacked him, and then the day after he came over and said hello. So obviously we must have made a good impression. But of course you're deployed, aren't you? Oh, yes, I am. Yeah. yeah. That's me. I just remember a group of us. We we grabbed Malik for some reason. Uh, just a bunch of us from Frontier grabbed a few community members. Were like we're going for barbecue. <laughs> And then uh, singing Roxanne, walking down the street, like, oh, God. Oh, good day. Yeah, it's a good song to pick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure Grimsby's heard worse. <laughs> this is why I wanted you to tell a story about something that gave you joy. Because it's gone from a very, very heavy topic to bringing you guys a, a, a little bit of joy right now to reminisce about that. And I thought that that was extremely needed uh, for for situations like this. Um, Didn't know I needed it, so thank you. <laughs> I, I did. I did need it. Yeah. Right. God, we're flying through these questions. Um, what have you learned from your experience that you'd like to share with the audience today? Um... What chemotherapy feels like? No, that's crap. That's utter crap. No one wants to know that. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to share that with anyone. If um, you don't want to share it, you don't have to. But thing I, is, I mean, I, the, the, the experience was rough. But... Thing is, right? Half the people aren't going to experience it. Good. And then the other half <laughs> are going to experience it, and they're not going to be ready for it. Mm. And it's something that no one talks about. So if you want to share it, feel free. If you don't want to go there, don't go there. Um, I mean, I, I don't mind going there. It's it's interesting. It kind of it leads into the thing that I've really learned from the experience and is really worth sharing. So um, I talk about what what chemotherapy day one is like because this is something that you're not prepared for. Um, is you go in and you're in a room full of other people who are all having the same bloody thing done, and everyone is there for a different reason. Everyone is there with a different person. And what you see is in that room, you sit down and you look at all of these people who come in and they're full of energy. When they walk in, they sit down, they have energy. Yeah, it's nervous energy, but they are there and they were um, 
have you really, Paige? I've seen that in chat. Have you really told him? He knows I tell the story. So anyway, so you walk in, you sit down, and you um, you're on a chemo couch. We call it. And it's basically a, it's it's just like a lazy boy chair. You know, you sit in it, and before anyone else arrives, that is the quietest moment you'll have all day. The rest of the day will be full of being woken up, um, being jabbed with needles, being beeped at by machines, and being asked, "You're right. You okay? Do you need anything? Do you want a drink? Do you want a cup of tea? Do you want a sandwich?" And it goes on. And yeah, if you walk in, you sit down, they put a cannula in. They then hook you up, and they immediately begin um, pumping you full of fluids because they just assume you're not de- you're not hydrated enough. Immediately get it in um, to protect your kidneys and protect your liver. Start pumping you full of it. Then they hang up the first bag of drugs. And whilst they're prepping that, they give you a bunch of tablets to take. They're all anti-sickness. Um, and you take them, and you sit there, and you prepare. And it's like being infused with the worst hangover you can possibly imagine. Um, the worst hangover you can possibly imagine. And I can pinpoint the exact time when I start to feel sick during it as well. It's um, literally when they when I first go and pee. Because I, I was on this, um, the protocol that I was on for chemotherapy was aggressive, very aggressive. It's like the strongest one they had, really. But all this time, you're looking around the room and you want to see how other people are handling it. Because you kind of want to gauge. And you do. You want to gauge how you're handling it compared to other people. And, you know, two hours in, I can barely stand up straight because I feel so awful. But you're being pumped full of fluids, so you have to get up and you have to walk to the toilet. And you've got your drip stand and you're dragging it around. And you have to queue for these two toilets that there are, because that's all there is, but it's an entire room full of people. And every 10 minutes, there's this beeping from the um, from, from the drips, because they've got like a, a pump, and they pump it in, and constantly. And the nurses don't come because they're so busy going around other people. And, um, you know, you've got, so you've got your got your cannula in you're lying there you can't get comfortable you're feeling worse and worse and worse so you might fall asleep and have a nap but you wake up feeling worse and that is guaranteed for it and what you do is you watch people and you see the loved ones sat next to them and you see them uh you, you see them with their, their look of despair on their faces looking at their loved ones and there's nothing that they can do and it's it's just really tough to see but you realize that they're looking back at you and they're thinking the same thing um, but you've got some people that have been there and done it before and they're prepared. And, you know, some will walk in, come straight in, pop in, chop down, go, let's go. Offer the port up because they've been going through it for such a long time. Now, let's do this. And then they start sucking on their ice lollies. <laughs> like, oh, why didn't I bring an ice lolly? Like, it's a really good idea. Why didn't I do that? And, you know, you've got all this going through and it's going through. And then you come towards the end of the day and I was first one in, last one out. I, I was there from nine in the morning till half six um, for that day. And... You'd see all the staff switch over and you'd, you'd see it switch over twice. And then you'd just be, then you're ready to go and you're desperate to go and you feel awful. But then my parents would walk in with a bucket and be like, got the bucket. I was like, cool, we've got the bucket. And um, <laughs> got the bucket, that's awesome. But the thing that you learn about chemotherapy, and that, that's, I did that six times, but three weeks apart. But whilst at home, you're taking tablets and that first 10 days of chemotherapy is awful. After those 10 days, you start to feel like a normal person again. Um, so just, you know, you've got like a, another 11 days before you have to go through it all again. But what you really learn from it is that you are stronger than you realize. Like the mind will give out far earlier than the human body will. And that is a huge, huge learn is that if you can take it, 
mentally, physically, you can take it. And that is a huge, huge learn because you start finding yourself like, hang on, yeah, I can do this. You know, I, it's a, all right, actually, I did the first one. So that means I can do the second one. And the third one, fourth one, fifth one, sixth one. And yeah, and, and by the time, you know, it came towards the end of the, the sixth cycle, after losing all of my hair, my hair was regrowing, my beard was regrowing. Um, it shouldn't have done. Everyone was surprised. Oncology team were like, why have you got a beard? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I shaved it off. It fell out. It started falling out. So I shaved it off. And it's like, actually, I can do this. I can handle this. I'm feeling so much stronger mentally because I know the end is in sight and I know I can keep pushing forward. And that's what you learn, that you are so much stronger than you realize. And that can go to anyone out there, is that you are stronger than you realize. Whatever you're going through, you are strong enough. Like you definitely are. How's that? Bam! Like that. Good. I mean, yeah, I to totally agree. Right. Um, I think we're just taking a moment to digest. Yeah, I... it's a lot, isn't it? It's heavy. It is heavy, I know. No, not necessarily heavy, more just like, no, that, that does ring true. Very much so. Um, I do also like the comment in chat of, it would be weirder if you hadn't had a beard beforehand. And then yeah, just suddenly got one, yeah. <laughs> well, when, my hair, when my hair started growing back, it started growing back black. And I don't know if you can tell, this ain't black. <laughs> so no, no, that was a way. very, very confusing thing. My wife was worried. She was like, why is your hair growing back black? It's just the goth anime arc. It's fine. It just happens <laughs> in the middle and then it ends. It's fine. <laughs> um yeah i was trying to frame my next question um so you've you've shared about the experience of, of of chemo um what about dealing with a diagnosis like yours what have you learned about that um it sucks and no matter what anyone says it's gonna suck hard it, it's rough it's bad it hits you like um, it's like a gut punch, and then it'll hit you again when you're not ready for it. Um, I struggled with with music and listening to music because you don't necessarily realise what music's talking about and what they're singing about until you're in a situation where you can stop, listen to it, and you might be going through something that's suddenly like, oh my god, yeah, this is this is right, and oh no, I was going to stay totally composed throughout this whole thing. But now I'm not going to be able to. You don't have to. Because of bloody music, of all yeah. things. It get, like, this is my point, it gets me. Um, and in particular, I um, remember listening to um, certain songs, because I used to stay in bed like all day, this during the chemotherapy when I got the diagnosis, you know, because I literally went from diagnosis straight into chemo and there was no, I had maybe four days, like literally four days before starting chemo after getting the diagnosis. I just couldn't believe it. I got a phone call immediately like, yeah, we need you in then. And I was like, Ugh. but um, uh, Mike Shinoda in particular, um, who is obviously Linkin Park, he released a lot of music talking about um, I see how angry and how upset he was after Chester committed suicide and some of it was just it kept hitting me over like over and over and over again which is one of the songs that hit me it was like over and over again because it's like 
every time I'd go to bed and I would kiss my wife goodnight and I would say, I love you, goodnight. That was me saying goodbye because I didn't know what things would be like. And it would do the same. And over and over again, it was, it was that. And it's happened. It's like, you do, you say goodbye over and over again and you find yourself in that situation. And it just, it was like, shit, I get it. Like, but this time I'm saying goodbye to her because she may never see me again or I might not, I might not handle this or who knows what's going to happen. And that really, really struck me. And that was, that's the thing that really got me about music like during the the diagnosis is that it was that that was the that was the big thing that really hit was music and so i couldn't listen to music for for months yeah after i just couldn't and yeah it took me a long time to get my head around it and realize that maybe i am going to be around a bit longer than i thought and i really i mean i have been by now um you know I'm not supposed to be here, really. That's kind of, I have that feeling every now and then. But I try not to beat myself up about it. But yeah. Um, God. Sorry, that's a tangent. That's a proper tangent. Because that wasn't the question you asked. But it's the question I answered. I mean, <laughs> it's relevant. <laughs> no, it was, I say music, music, music is its tough moments. But in particular, um, I say that there's just that. The, the music produced by Mike Schneider during that time, um, talking about that, talking about the anger. Um, and, and I got it because I was angry. I was so angry because I just felt like I'd been portrayed by my own body, just utterly stabbed in the back, well, <laughs> in the chest. And it was like, you know, hey, guess what? Arr! You're not having a life now. It's like, well, fuck you, yeah, I am. So like, watch me. I'm doing it. And, and that's, that's what helped, you know, bit of anger i always say that anger is the thing that got me out of bed during chemo um but love is the thing that made me want to do it so that's uh you can use emotions negative emotions positively mm -hmm. but yeah are you okay page <laughs> oh yeah i'm fine um i cry at freaking everything the amount of times <laughs> i've scared my boss in a meeting because he's like so I've got some feedback and I'm just like, <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm absolutely fine. It's just, I get emotional. <laughs> um, are you good to continue later or? Yeah. 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 Why not? This is, the thing is, is that not talking about it is exactly what you don't need. Mm. Talking about it is good because now I'm smoking about it. I've shared it. I've helped some people understand what I'm going through and me talking about it helps me process too. It's good. Talk to people. It's good. Emotional constipation is bad. Yeah. Fact. <laughs> That's um, our second slogan now. <laughs> <laughs> Be your own advocate and constipation in any form is bad. <laughs> yes, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting that on a t-shirt. <laughs> no, you need it on a pair of, like, booty shorts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Right. Um, what would you like... The audience to know about how people respond to cancer patients um let's face it it's awkward isn't it talking about it people ask how you are people um people offer you help but 
they kind of want you to say, yeah, I'm doing all right. And I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> but but no one no one ever expects you to be like, I'm actually having a really bad day. Or, oh, God, I feel rough. Or you wouldn't believe this, I'm constipated again. You know, like that kind of thing. It's like they wouldn't, um, that was hard to time to make sure you're taking a mouthful of drink, you know. That was really freaking hard. <laughs> um, and it's people, we ask and we're like, brace and they brace for that after that answer and depending on who you're talking to sometimes you go yeah I'm, I'm doing all right and you put your smile on and i can guarantee you if you've got cancer and you ask someone how they're doing they ain't doing all right they're, like they're not even if they say they may be doing better than they were yesterday but not doing great they're not doing well they might be doing fine uh, my response is well all things considered um <laughs> that is that is my way of saying not good, but I know you don't want to talk about it, so let's leave it, shall we? That that's a very distinct we we know. It's an unwritten it's unspoken, unwritten, but we all know at that point. And um I noticed Dracula laughed, which means you probably understand that. Yeah, I mean I, I feel like um eh, eh, people with um chronic illnesses can can very much uh identify with that rhetoric just purely because no one wants to hear that you're not doing well or mm. that you feel like shit or they don't want to know about the fact that you spent all night throwing up or or whatever it is that you've been experiencing everyone wants you to be yeah i'm all good and it it's it's so exhausting <laughs> to to that you have to respond in that way to make sure that they feel good and putting on the face is is just something that we we do because we we don't want to burden people and we don't want to show the cracks and it's it's like we're burdening people but they really should be taking more consideration about how you're doing with your situation whether it be an illness it be a uh, a, um, a diagnosis it be a, a just it, just having a bad day <laughs> like, you should be able to go i'm having a bad day and this is what's causing it and it's shit i i think as well part like part of it like part of it is People want to, well, people, we're all from the same country or same sort of area. And a lot of, a lot of sort of British people are very, tend to be polite, but we don't want to have any commitments because then we have to actually do something about it and fuck that. Um, and so it's the, how are you? Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But at the same time, when you then apply it to chronic or terminal illness, I think with the people that we're close to, we want to protect them. We don't want to have to say, oh, actually, I'm doing so bad because that other person will try and be like, well, what can I do? And it's like, I don't want you to do anything, but I don't want to tell you that because that feels like I just want you to go away. And that's not what I want, but I don't have the energy to tell you what I do want because it's like, obviously, I, I haven't seen my parents in nearly a year. They live pretty close, but they're disabled as well. And so they're like, oh, how are you doing? I'm like, I just... I really appreciate you reaching out, but I don't want to talk right now because I know if I tell you, you're going to be like, what can I do? I'm like, you can stay at home. You're disabled too. Fuck off. <laughs> I, I know you mean well, but this, this this isn't helping any of us and I'm too tired to explain that. So I'm fine. It's like, um, it, it's, 
it's so difficult to balance the not wanting to burden anyone else, but not also wanting to hurt anyone else with the same pain we're already dealing with. Because like Plato said, we've, we've had to learn that we're strong enough to bear it, even when it doesn't feel like it. And sometimes it feels easier to bear it for ourselves than try and teach others how to bear it as well. Yeah, I, it's been a very enlightening experience um, interacting with my grandparents with my granddad's diagnosis because he was very similar to you, Plato, in the fact that he didn't have any exp any symptoms of the actual cancer and has been fine up until this this like this chemo treatment. And he's had previous treatments and it's all been fine. It's just this chemo treatment. And his drastic change in in health and the depression and the anxiety that have kicked in with it and the need for all of these various levels of care that he never had before and the painkillers and suddenly he now understands what going through my pain and my like all of my experiences and all my hospital visits previously he now suddenly has gone switched from that that whole, oh, it'll be fine, to it fucking sucks, it sucks, and it's, it's, it's that same feeling of, uh, my, my grandma has been stopping, um, uh, talking to me and ringing me up because she doesn't want to burden me. And then when we do call each other, both of us go, we've been up to nothing. Because yeah. I don't want to burden them. <laughs> With with my ailments, <laughs> they don't burden me with with what's going on. But that means that you know, for ages, I didn't get any updates about the fact that my granddad was in and out of hospital for two weeks, um, and my grandma's got a, a, an illness as well now, and so she understands. But now she doesn't want to talk about it, and it's just it's nuts that we're trying to protect each other. <laughs> but all we need I to do is go. It's okay, you know. It's been shit. I've never spoken about this publicly, um, so I guess this will be a new one and might incite some tears. But my memory issues actually physically caused me to forget it, so that's upsetting too. Um, just before I left Frontier, one of the inciting things that caused it was my, my granddad died of cancer. And uh, it came out of the blue, and within months he was gone. It, it just went snap, gone, and he was four stone when he died. And he was 80-odd, I think maybe a little long, little younger. I hadn't seen him in a, in a few years because I don't live near, but because I hadn't seen him in ages and because it was just my nan dealing, but then my nan was calling my mum, who was calling me. I only got the, 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 the faintest of updates, but because my nan had to try and deal with what was going on and then through my parents, I didn't get to go and see him at all, not once. I didn't see him for a year or two before he died and I never saw him and I couldn't go to the funeral because I was sick. Um, and it, I didn't, it was so difficult to be like, I want to help. And they're like, no, you can't right now. I'm like, why can't I help? And it's like, because we don't need you to, we need space. But, and it's so difficult being on the other side of that as well. Just being like, but I know I can, why won't you let me? But then you do have to understand that people dealing with shit like this 
have to deal with it in their own ways. And the best thing I could do was stay away, although it hurt me. And yeah, trying to balance that and work stuff at the same time was a right nightmare because you get a phone call when you're in the office and it's like, oh, take five. <laughs> but that's why I do understand how both sides feel. And it is difficult, and it is so difficult, like with the, with the spoon theory of having enough energy to be able to explain to others how you need them to feel when you just don't have that energy. It often comes off as callous or just, I'm fine. It's like, you're not, but you're not willing to talk to me. Why is that the case? And it's only when things have calmed down, you can have those conversations, which is why I think, Plato, you sharing experience like this and coming talk to us despite the right fucking shit news you got on just on Monday is so important because not everyone, and I'm very glad not everyone is going to have any of these experiences, whether having the illness or dealing with somebody who does. But empathy can be a very difficult thing to manage whatever side of the coin that you're on. I mean, you've also got to understand on the other side, um, the people that are around uh, the ill people <laughs> in general. Um, you're, wor you're worried about how you can help and then you feel bad that you can't help but what you should be worried about is what's making the other person feel best. It may hurt you. It may hurt you. But yeah. you've got to be of the mindset that whatever you can Whatever you can do, even if that's not do anything <laughs> and leave them alone or, you know, not ask them, how are you? Or <laughs> not ask them, like, how's it going? And, oh, are you cured? Or, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, you look good today? Or, you know, oh, you don't look sick. If it's any of these things... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I get that so often. <laughs> I, I, I get that really often. Yeah. That's why you don't look sick. So, cool. Well, do, do, do you want to shout that at my lungs and hopefully the cancer will fuck off? Or do you, like, and the thing is, that, that's the initial triggered emotional response. But realistically, it does come from a place of positivity. It's just unfortunately the. Um, the message is difficult to get across and i think that is a lot of something people really struggle with is the ability to know what to say saying the right thing and saying it in the right way because saying that someone looks good and someone looks healthy is normally really good isn't it it's really it's a positive thing to say you look healthy well thanks i've been looking after myself you know i look all right you know i've been down the gym i've been doing this but you don't necessarily know someone's emotional state and what's going on inside their head when you say it, and they're like, well, still dying of cancer, though. <laughs> and you don't, you don't say that out loud. You don't, you, don't say, you don't say it out loud, but God, it goes through your head that, zoop, don't say this. And you come back to it, oh, thanks. Because mm. <clears throat> you don't want to be the ungrateful person, do you? As well, because people don't know what to say. So the last thing you want to do is discourage them from saying anything at all. And... At the same time, people are going to offer help, and some of them don't want you to accept it because they don't, because that's suddenly effort. Yep. And it sounds awful, but this is like people who are normally further out of your social circle, not those who are tight and close. Like my parents offer me help 
they know I'm going to say yes. Um, and they are offering me exactly what I need. But it's taken us a long time to get there. Because I had to go, oh, I, don't, I don't really need anything. I had this being honest. And that was my point. I'm just going to be honest. I'd be open, honest, blunt. And that's it. And that's how I've decided to treat cancer. And that's how I've tried, uh, tried to treat everyone that's spoken to me or interacted with me about it. Is I will be open, I'll be honest, I'll be blunt. There is a stigma around it. And stigma of people offering help or even asking for help. And that shouldn't be there. It needs to go. You know, offer help if you've got help to give. Make sure you're available for that help. You know, you don't have to give examples. You know, you don't have to give examples. You know, some people say, oh, you know, if you need help getting to hospital appointments, let me know. It's like, okay, that's a good example. I might actually need help with that. Yeah, that is something. Or, oh, if you have anything heavy that needs moving, let me know. It's like, actually, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm nowhere near as strong as I used to be. I probably would need some help. My parents um, came over and helped us to do some sanding in our hallway. I couldn't do it. Or I started doing it, got a nosebleed halfway through and got dizzy and had to sit down and felt really sick because I just started my medication. So I was like, yeah, actually, good thing you came over. It's like really, really handy. Or the, hey, let's, let's bring you some lunch. I like food. I need to eat. <laughs> that is good. Yeah, stuff like that. that. That's some really great examples of help. If people have something physical that needs doing, hey, hey, why don't I come over and you know, help you out? I help you out. I mean, do most of it for you. Or the, hey, hey, we'll come around for some lunch. Bring lunch. You know, what do you want? I'll bring it. That kind of thing. That, that's some great examples of good help that yeah. um, you can provide. Food, always a, good, always a good option unless the person's got some kind of dietary requirement and then you, you ask them what they want. <laughs> yeah. um, one of the things that um, I saw is a, a good way of getting around the whole, oh, you're looking good today, or you're looking better, and stuff like that, is to be like, skin's glowing today, or your shirt uh, really, that shirt really suits you, or something that is neutral enough that it's not going, you look better despite your illness, or you look like you're getting better, so you must not be that bad anymore. Mm. Something along those lines where it's like, oh, oh, hey, your beard really suits you. Like anything that's just, it is still complimentary. You're still getting that point across, but you're not having that like connotation of, yeah, well, you know, you don't, you don't look sick, so I can treat you differently. <laughs> um, any, any other ones to add to it before I? delve into the questions that oh god these these questions um don't tiptoe around don't tiptoe around us don't do it like don't tiptoe around people that have cancer and they might have a time limit because guess what you're wasting time by tiptoeing around <laughs> like i'm i'm a cut through the bullshit kind of guy i'm like right let's get down to it shall we like are you what what question are you really asking that kind of a or let's just skip to it let's get on with it you know let's go for it let's just do it um, I think with the whole um, <laughs> the beard compliment thing, that's an interesting one just because um, I, I get it a lot, the beard thing. Like, that's a magnificent beard. It's like, thanks, I grew it myself. That's <laughs> why no, I did. It's like, a, well, you get the, oh, you look like Ian McGregor. I was like, God, he's 50, though. So <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. So it's like, he's 50 years old and I'm, I'm, only, well, I'm only 36. So it's kind of like, a, oh, well, ooh, but, you know, there is that whole kind of, I say, cutting through the bullshit is what it's all about. 
yeah. definitely what it's all about. Um, and the, yeah, but him from episode one, nice. Um, yeah, it really does. It's um, I think don't tiptoe around. Don't be scared to ask it because you'd be surprised. People actually like talking about themselves, no matter what it is. Um, it's a funny thing. People are all experts on themselves, whether they admit it or not. I very much agree with that sentiment. It's like, it, it, I mean, to be fair, that's a rule 101 of streaming, actually, is mm. um, people love talking about themselves. So ask, <laughs> you'll be surprised how much you get a conversation out of people. Mm. Uh, Just before you go on, Drax, uh, there was one question I did want to put to you, uh, Peter, and one shout out for somebody in the chat I just wanted to quickly make. Uh, I will start with the the shout out to add a positive spin to this because this one could go a little little sour later, and you probably know what it's about. Um, the first person I'd like to shout out is uh, Freebooted in the Twitch chat. Freebooted, some of you may know him as Uncle Matt. Uncle Matt is the uncle of Commander Michael Holyland, and when I worked at Frontier, Michael was a young lad I saw about on Twitter from Matt's tweet. A young lad living with cancer who didn't have much time left. And the elite community showed up en masse to help out this young lad. Um, Uncle Matt is a fucking fantastic human. Like Michael's whole family are incredible. Just being able to be a little part of, of Michael's life and just a tiny, tiny part of his family, just for a couple of days, still sits with me constantly. But if you want to learn a little bit about that and a little bit about what family life is like when a member of your family has cancer, if you go to Netflix, there is currently a documentary series up on there called Not A Game. And there is a section on there about Michael and Elite Dangerous and there are interviews with Matt and with his with his mum and his dad and from me and Sally and Zach and cancer have I, I never saw my granddad before he died and I do feel honored that I got to meet Michael and see that that life force and that zest in somebody who was still dealing with some horrendous shit at a very young age. And so that's why I want to shout out Uncle Matt, just because an incredible human being, incredibly kind, and just that meant so much to me. And obviously, when this is where I'm getting to the point now, when the elite community heard about what was going on and that Michael wanted friends to play with online, just for a little while longer, people turned out in force. But this is where it gets slightly salty. I know, Plato, your experience with people online hasn't always been particularly positive. And you've not been shy about that either, which I think is fantastic because people do need calling out on their bullshit. Mm. But in terms of this question that we've just been answering, how would you recommend people online respond to somebody with an illness that they maybe do not really know much about or you know, times that they shouldn't necessarily say things, what is acceptable or what could be acceptable to say? Um, I think I'm going to give some examples of things that you don't want to hear. There's, like, I've, been, I've been accused of faking it for attention. Um, that, that's obviously never say that. 
because one, you're wrong, and two, to think that about someone else, you're a dickhead. I, that, that that's that they're they're the two certainties that I can I can tell you, and it's it's a sad time when people jump to that or think that because I even googled I was like how many how many people I was like it's on my phone how many YouTubers have faked cancer one one only one has faked it and it's just strange that people jump onto that but anyway that's something over there isn't it um I think educate yourselves is a really important thing go like. If you think about saying something or you think you've got, you know, something to add in there or, or give or you think that, you know, you've got some complimentary information. Um, number one is if you're going to present something like a, uh, a medical fact or a pseudoscience treatment, um, don't, one, assume I've looked into it. Number one is assume I've looked into it. Um, if you don't think that there was times where I was just Googling stuff all the time, searching for trials, searching for alternative treatments, searching for things, asking questions, calling my oncologist and I've seen this, is this any good? Um, like I, I called him up say, I've seen this trial. Can I go for this trial? What do you think about this trial for this one here? You know, how does this sound? And it's like, well, I had a look at it. And he actually looked at it for me and looked at it and went, no, not a thing. It's like, cool, you've looked at it. Um, but don't think, I, don't think I haven't. Don't think I've not looked into cannabis or don't think it doesn't do anything. It actually, literally, there's no scientific evidence that proves it does anything for cancer. Pain relief, um, emotional stuff, um, epilepsy, uh, yeah, great. Really good research for all of that. Um, uh, you know, and, and people help, help people sleep really good, you know, but it isn't necessarily good for killing cancer cells, but people have got it in their head that it is. This kind of thing is like, don't, stop, don't do that. Do the research. And I can guarantee you the top result that is from a legitimate educational facility will be the correct answer. If you have to go to page two for something on Google, it's not right. That's it. It's not. And especially if you're, you find people um, do a, oh, you should check out this, this therapy or this one or that one. It's like, stop, just don't. No one needs that. And don't think I haven't considered all of the options. But I'm not going to go chasing snake oil. Mm. It, it just bee venom, on the other hand, has been shown to uh, actually <laughs> show some cancer-fighting properties in certain types of cancer. They're working on it. Uh, they're working on that as a research thing. It's like it actually only kills cancer cells. Fascinating. Really, really interesting. So yeah, that's say bee venom to me. I might listen to you, but snake oil, no, I'm not going to touch it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of people get offended when you say no, thank you. They think they're coming to you with a cure. You're not. You actually aren't doing that. You're coming. To, you're coming to me with information. I'm going to look at and find really frustrating because I know it's going to be bunk. So I'm going to look at it and I'll be like, "Well, this is rubbish." So thanks, thanks for that. And I'm going to tell you because that's what I do. Um, but the best thing to do is really educate yourself before you do decide to come at someone with information. Um, you wouldn't. You wouldn't be an armchair psychiatrist and try and work out why someone has an eating disorder. Have you just tried eating more? Oh, f off. <laughs> but you wouldn't do that. And why should you be an armchair, on armchair oncologist when it's something that we definitely don't understand? You know, there is a reason why there are so many people dying of cancer still. And um, we are producing new treatments all the time because we are gaining understanding. Oh, boy. This is the, it, I, could t I could talk for hours about pseudoscience treatments and how damaging they are. Um, so I'm going to take a couple of minutes and talk about it some more. Um, in particular, only one particular example, um, 
there was a woman that was diagnosed with stage 2b breast cancer um kind of last year and this is an article that came up in the metro and yeah the metro isn't exactly it's uh it's an everyday free newspaper so let's not put too much stock into it but she decided that instead of um going for chemotherapy which was a hundred percent effective on that type of cancer like to be totally freaking curable um totally freaking curable like it, it is it, it's it can be cured through um chemotherapy and um her treatment like the success rate is like 97 percent, really really good something like that she went i'm not doing that i am going to switch to a completely vegan liquidized diet and um buy oxygen tanks off the internet and breathe it instead she's dead isn't she like that was someone that was actually um actually married with with um with children so that it's dangerous yeah and that that's one of my big problems with it if people sharing things is that it can be dangerous or worse than it can actually interfere with existing treatments that you're already on for example turmeric i get turmeric a lot as a suggestion that can actually prevent absorption of certain drugs um, and can interact with chemotherapy within, inside the body that's curcumin the particular um compound in there and i've done my research i've looked into it i know and it can prevent chemotherapy from being absorbed it's not good so that's a bad suggestion yeah, and I, apolo I apologise for bringing it up because obviously we didn't want it from the chat, but I thought it was important to get your perspective on mm. why it's not required. And again, it may come from a place of caring, but as we just discussed, not saying something is sometimes the caring thing to do. Like, yeah, it it makes it does it kind of again from a good place, but don't get offended when people say no, thank you. They're very much just like, and I try to be polite. I go, no thanks. I ask people that don't leave stuff like this. I'm like, I can't believe you're not doing everything to save your life. Oh, how fucking dare you? Is that how fucking dare you suggest that I'm not doing everything? I'm doing all of the right things. Yeah, like exactly. That. No, that that one boils my blood as well because do people not think that, and I obviously I cannot say as from the perspective of somebody with a terminal illness, but from somebody with a lifelong illness, do people really not think we aren't trying to fix this? Like, we, not, like it can't be cured, but are we not trying to actually find out what treatments are available, how we can be helped, or that we're trying to be our best advocates? Because, again, we don't need to do yoga or hot boxing or fucking... It's like, you want to suggest medical marijuana? Do you know how expensive it is to get that in the UK if you are approved? Cool. <laughs> I was going to say, you know that that's the fine? point. It's like, you, you have to jump through so many hoops, even if you are a cancer patient, to yes. even be considered to be able to have the privilege to pay astronomical private costs to get it. You have so... to pay £100 to send the email to apply because i looked into it because uh obviously as a young person i may have imbibed with the the, the devil's lettuce and uh, i may have found that it helped my illnesses a lot but i can't have it and instead i have something that damages my kidneys and my liver because it's legal but marijuana is not legal slightly aside of the point but that's to say that somebody isn't actually trying their best it's like the survival instinct doesn't necessarily mean you're running away from lions it might just do you mean you do fucking hours of google searches and you learn this shit <laughs> there are different ways to survive and most of that is 
being knowledgeable. So if it looks like a pseudoscience and it walks like a pseudoscience and it quacks like a fucking duck, then it's either a duck or a pseudoscience. So don't fucking post it in the comments. It doesn't need to be said. Actually, duck eggs have been suggested. So that's... Oh, of course they do. Everything, I, you name it. I have heard that uh, actually if you get a head wound, and I need to check this one out, but it does seem to be fairly legit. Um, if you crack open an egg while you're waiting for actual medical help and you peel the membrane because it's used to keep in um, the actual membrane of the egg and keep the, you know, the baby, you know, whatever bird it is protected, you can place that against a cut which will dry and harden over to actually act as a pseudo membrane. Although I would very strongly discourage you doing that because the percentage likelihood of you then basically salmonella. directly infecting yeah. yourself with salmonella is strong so yeah. <laughs> the biologist in here is 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 screaming internally at that idea so if you're in the middle of the forest and you need to wait three hours with a gushing head wound might be worth the risk otherwise not apply eggs directly to your scalp but you do not you do not want to apply um, it to a, a direct uh, uh, head wound purely because you are um, uh, basically um, uh, cutting the uh, middleman of the blood brain barrier and no. <laughs> and that's not good <laughs> well there you go I would say it was intentional but that wasn't necessarily but that's an example of me being like I found something interesting that does work in theory and Drac being like fucking idiot that's not going to help <laughs> well it might theory, help theory is wonderful Exactly. In so. theory is a wonderful thing. Um, yes. I would like to highlight the fact that as a, as a geneticist and biologist, um, I, and having worked in the NHS, um, part of my job was um, doing the lymphoma tests. And um, that may or may not have added to some of my um, mental health uh, <laughs> degradation. <laughs> Because um, when you are testing lymphoma patients um, every single day and you realise how hand-wavy it is to find a clonal population of cells in a, pa a patient's sample and your interpretation of whether or not that is enough to class as a clonal population uh to say that they have lymphoma it's it's just puts in perspective how <sighs> it's not everything's going to be applicable to to each and every single patient so these pseudosciences yeah maybe there's that one percent of people that somehow turmeric cures their their ailments and uh and they're all fine and dandy but um our understanding and our testing of such things is so young and so um undeveloped and it's so down to interpretation that yeah okay obviously the, the, the if you've literally got a, a, a pure sample of cancer cells, you've got cancer. Um, <laughs> but the point is, is that getting to that point is difficult. There's lots of tests. Some of those tests can come back 
false positives or false negatives. There's there's so, so much that contributes to getting to that point that you can't you can't suddenly go, oh, have you tried smoking weed? Is that to cure your cancer? It, it there are so many things that have a play in in how our bodies work and how they deal with um illness and how we understand that process and we're still learning about it and there's that's why there's so many fucking studies and charities around it is because we're still trying to fucking figure out what to do <laughs> so well, don't think that your pseudoscience is gonna suddenly and... fix this highly complicated very poorly understood thing <laughs> There's actually something, there's actually an interesting lead on from that is talking about legitimate treatments as well. I, um, I have obviously done a lot of research into this and I have gone and asked why, I, why I've never been able to try immunotherapy, for example. Uh, that, that's the only thing that we haven't tried. I've done surgery, can't do radiotherapy for obvious reasons because it's in my lungs and it would shred away healthy lung tissue. Not an option. Makes sense. More damage than good. Cool. Got it. That's a garden you don't want to burn. Great. Um, now, I can't do immunotherapy because nothing works on my type of cancer. It's literally, it's, it's nothing works, but for some people it might. And the reason why some people may have the same type of cancer form as me, but things work for them is because lots of cancers have different mutations from person to person. Uh, for example, there is um, a, a mutation around called BRAF in anaplastic thyroid cancer, which there is a kinase inhibitor which targets that specifically. And it also works for skin cancer and melanoma um, because it's fairly common in that as a mutation as well. But if I don't have the mutation, I can't do that treatment. And so you talk to someone, even the same, someone with the same type of cancer as you, their experience is very different as well. Um, I unfortunately have no mutations that stand out. And um, it's, it's confused. Like everyone's very confused because people of my age aren't meant to get my, this type of cancer. It's normally found when you're in your 60s and it's really advanced, it's too late and you're done. Um, but for me, it was found because I was already going to go in treatment for the, the cancer it mutated from. So because I found it, I had a majority of it resected from my neck and that could be all of it gone. We don't know, but we can't check because it's got stuff in my lungs and we don't know. And it's really complicated. But someone else's situation, which sounds similar, is completely different. Very, very important. And I don't think... A lot of people get that, that there is no one size fits all treatment for a particular type of cancer, because within that, it is individual to that person, because you know what, it's based on their DNA. And also, um, the act of removing cancer cells can in itself spread the cancer cells. <laughs> mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so even if you have surgery, which a lot of people think, oh, why don't you just get it extracted? Um, even if that is a possibility, that in itself can cause more problems. Um, and also, your cancer may go away, and then it may come back, and then it can go away, and then it can come back. It's thing is, is that you've got to think of it as the same as um, a Okay, you've got you've got a pest infestation in your house. You completely thoroughly clean everything. Next year they come back because you missed one spot 
in the back where you couldn't get to with the various cleaning appliance and and it just had time to to repopulate and grow somewhere else it's you 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 have no capability of actually accessing every single cell of your body so therefore cannot actually guarantee that you've excised every single piece of it or treated every single piece of it and that's why they resort to using a poison to, <laughs> to basically try and nuke everything but obviously that's gonna do damage to your actual cells as well um, one, of the, yeah, one of the medications I'm on for my arthritis and fibromyalgia is used in treating cancer patients, which, which is methotrexate. And uh, that shit, I get nauseous saying the word because it's that horrendous on your fucking stomach and everything like that. And it's just... It's, it, it, it is one of those situations where that you, you have a wide variety of things that could potentially be... Um, used and everyone's going to have a different cocktail of, of various things and everyone's doing the research that they can handle that they can they can do and that they they they're not going in uneducated <laughs> because when you're ill that is your life that is your new norm so you're yeah. going to spend your time educating yourself and you're going to spend your time looking it up. Because, you know, kind of occupies 80% of your time. <laughs> it's always here. It's there. It's at the front of yeah. your brain. And it, it doesn't go away. Yeah. Um, I, look, I can't look in the mirror and not see my scar. It's in, a, it's in a very visible position. I see it. I feel it. Like right now, me, me wearing headphones um, and putting pressure on my ear feels like someone's leaning on my neck because of the nerve damage from my surgery because they couldn't not remove the nerves without seeding my neck with cancer. See what they said? They went, I could have, I could have, um, I could have, um, you know, cleaned out and strimmed down direct to the nerve for your vocal cord, but then I would have seeded your whole neck with cancer because I have a cut directly through the tumor. And it's like, and you'd be, you, you know, that's no good. It's like exactly that. It's, it, it's just, so there's things, it's always there. It's always, it's always there. It's always on your mind. Uh, and it's exactly this kind of thing that can get triggered from doing something as simple as, um, you know, that, that, that frustration or the anger, or it finally gets tipped over the edge by doing something like that, knocking a glass of water over. I have disproportionate anger over doing something like that because I'm always on edge. I'm always on edge because, and there's, that can happen with any, it can have mental health, physical health, um, tell me honest, relationship strain can be just a, th a little thing that tips you over the edge. It's, it's not about the glass of water. And that's also a point. If, if, if someone who's ill snaps at you one day and you feel like it's out of the blue, likelihood is it has nothing to do with what <laughs> you said or did. It's because they've probably got such a build-up of so many situations where someone has said something similar or or done something like that or, or they're just having a really bad day and they have lost all spoons to deal with that and you've just been in the wrong place at the wrong time and as long as it's not a using your illness as an excuse to be 
a mm. dick. As in, if someone snaps at you, maybe they, they, they raise their voice a little bit too much comparatively to the situation. Give them a, a little a little break, because likelihood is they've, they're having a fucking rough time. <laughs> um, I've got, like, I, I don't have any audience questions um, other than they want to know about the cat picture. Uh, <laughs> which I think we'll it's... save for right at the end. <laughs> um, but I did. <laughs> I pulled up a bunch of questions that um, nurses are encouraged to ask cancer patients um, during um, uh, their adjustment to terminal illness. Now, I, the reason I pulled these up while I was researching in general, like questions that would be interesting to cover. And I saved these ones because they seemed so utterly and uh, ridiculous that um, I thought maybe you'd have some comments on it. So I won't go for the okay. ones that are really offensive. Um, oh, no, you can. Huh? You can if you want. I mean, if, if they're good, like, as in, like, like what the hell? I hit it. You know, why not? And I'll have one question after that before we do the cat picture, just, just yeah. so. Just cool. Cool. Um, Right, so a good one to start off with. I think this one is actually a good one. Um, do you feel as though you, you are being included in your healthcare decisions? Hmm, I've never been asked that. I, I'm, I, I bet I've never, I'm never going to have been asked any of these questions. But I'm, I'm the driving force behind my healthcare decisions, <laughs> without a doubt. So, yeah, interesting. Mm -mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that's a legitimate question to ask because so many people don't get a say in their their healthcare nope. they don't get a say in in things that they get to do or where it, the direction it's taking but that's good to hear um okay um what are you most afraid of i've not been asked that i've not I'm, i guarantee i've not been asked any of these questions <laughs> i don't think i've ever had a nurse sit down and ask me about it um but you know Trying to answer them as if you're as if you're actually the nurse asking them because it, it mean, can be hilarious. I mean, <laughs> go for it, go for uh, it. The, the slow, painful, well... choking death. <laughs> I mean, scary. Yeah. Like maybe that it yeah. could be that. Yeah, no. <laughs> the, the slow, painful, choking death. Um, and I, I'm an atheist, so I'm like, I'm done. Then I'm gone. <laughs> so it's gonna be slow, choking, painful death, and then it all ends. You're gonna so, love some cool. of the later questions then. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> um. What are you most worried about? <laughs> a slow, painful choking death. No, you know, why is it not the same thing? Um, I mean, honestly, like for, for me personally, though, the things I'm actually really worried about is my wife being on her own. Like she's she, she's from America. She's going to be. She moved over here to be with me, and that's that's my that's my worry. My worry is that she will be alone. Um, you know, she has a cat, and she has my parents. Um, but she always says this is her home, so she won't move. See, this is one of the ones that made me really cringe. Um, do you worry about becoming a burden to anyone in particular? Why would you even ask that? It's like, well, this is like these are questions now. that they're encouraged to ask, and it's like, it's like these are questions that I'm kind of looking at, going, I see what they were going for, and I can see how this isn't interesting questions. Saying like, 
you know, is there anyone you're worried about who we could provide support to? But the actual question itself is as blunt, blunt as a fucking brick in the face. Yeah, I mean, at least asking, is there is there any support anyone who's helping care for you might need at home? Oh, that's a good way. Yeah. Yeah. That like, is a good one. It's like, can we can we uh, um, help put your um, family in contact with anyone that may help support them or you know do they need anything extra like you know yeah. would a nurse coming to the home be helpful yes. or is there any like i don't know have you discussed with your partner what if you're going to be able to manage should x happen and just being blunt about it and but not in a callous way in a if this does happen in this treatment that we've already hopefully discussed are we going to need to blah 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 you know they're good root questions, awful questions if they are meant to say mm. them as they are. As I said, I copied, I, I literally copied and pasted yeah. these in. Oh. <laughs> so, so, I don't something this fucking awful. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll skip that one. Um, <laughs> came up with them. What uh -oh. is most difficult about leaving your loved ones behind? Oh, God. I mean, I'm going to be dead, so I'm not going to... No, am I? <laughs> this, that's seem... the thing. What's going to be difficult? And I imagine they're all going to be really upset. Let me just imagine my own funeral and imagine them being really upset about it. Well, I'm pretty and... sure I might have put the blue bin out before yeah. I go, so that's going to be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, God, you know, it's like, are they going to play the right song? Are they going to play the right songs there? I need don't... to make a Spotify playlist. Are they like, going to cry enough? I'm... Is my ex-girlfriend from uh, uh, four years ago going to turn up and make a scene? Like, should really get in contact with them to make sure. It's like, it's like this isn't a wedding. Get out. It's like, will they play the right song? Or it's like, oh, what are they going to play? Smack my bitch up. Great, great, great choice. Wonderful. Um, oh, I, 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 I'm kind of putting that down now. <laughs> If anyone puts any sappy shit like Angel by Robbie Williams when I oh, die, I, will... uh, I don't mind not... like that song, but don't play it at my funeral. Please it's play not... something to make people laugh. Like, come it's, on. Not, it's not dancing on ice. Get that crap out of here. Yeah, no, seriously. Um, I want them to lower me into the ground and go, TEN! Like, that's what I... Like, make it funny. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> that is also a question that I um, uh, would like to ask. Um, do you have you actually planned your own funeral arrangements in no, advance? No, I haven't. Um, I thought about it, and um, when I was last on chemotherapy, I thought about it, and then they went, "Oh no, it's keeping it stable." And I'm like, "Well, you know, I'll wait until the end's a bit closer. Then I'll worry about this later." Mm. Um, uh, I think, I think you know, we, we have spoken about it. Me and my wife definitely have spoken about it. And I'm like, "Biodegradable coffin. No, don't spend loads on this wood stuff. Like, don't." Don't worry about it. Um, we spoke about cremation. Cool, yeah, that that works. You know, um, uh, when the time comes, um, it's like scat scatter me out in in the Atlantic in Cornwall. Do that. <sighs> Done. Yeah. You know, it's it's always one of my favourite places to go. But that's what we've spoken about with it. And um, briefly spoken about, you know, I mean, there might be some some songs I want you to play from me. And she was like, "Oh God, if you say Hero by Foo Fighters, I'm gonna." <laughs> I'm burst into tears. I'm like, you can't choose that yourself. You can't. <laughs> if you want to choose it, brilliant, wicked. You know, look, maybe look like a legend, but I can't choose it for myself. <laughs> so, 
it's just because um one of the um blogs that i read up on um said that one of the things that helped them was um the first thing that they did was just plan everything get it out of the way and done with have it planned set up ready for for that eventuality and then that takes the entire like burden on loved ones out of the mix is that that's that's the only reason mm. i was asking is just purely because they said that that actually helped them with like going forward but it's definitely something i will do for us yeah. like i i will i'll be happy to arrange that and go and do it um i mean it, we've got we've got a place that look, looked after my great aunt and my, and my grandmother um same place so i might just go down there just down the road yeah you know if things get really rough i'll walk down there that'll be my daily exercise and i'll go plan it out it's like i i have thought about it and I've, it's it's surreal to think about because um i am not going to be around to see it it's like planning a party you're never going to see Mm. So, I guess I'll make it crap because I won't be there and I won't care. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, but no, there's always that little dark bit where I'm like, what can I do that'd be a little bit funny? Or oh, something that'd yeah. be like classic Joe. That, that's kind of like the, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, I've also thought about writing writing a um, a piece to be read out. Like some bits of advice or, you know, some meaningful moments to people that will be there. No, I think that'd be quite a nice thing to do. Message lines is always, I think, I mean, like, it's something I've already thought about, mostly just because I'm married. And it's like, I should probably have an idea just so that they don't have to try and think of it themselves. Because that, that's a bit of a stressful thing. But, yeah. I'm kind of tempted now to get everyone to reenact the entirety of Highlander. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah, 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 just the entire thing. I'm thinking nice. the end of Rocky Horror for mine with the swimming pool and everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's just because I was like, oh, you know, what I'd like is uh, um, um, one of the uh, quotes that I've always um, really associated to is it's better to uh, burn out than fade away. Mm. Um, yes, I identify with the evil guy, just whatever. But he's just like... It'd be much more entertaining to get everyone to put on terrible Scottish accents and uh, reenact the entirety of Highlander. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I have done a will, though. I will say that I have done a will. Yeah. Because um, yeah. that, that, that's a sensible thing, anyway. For someone who is is married and owns a property, it's a sensible thing to do. Oh, well, yeah. Because, you know, it's just, it's just smart. So... And um, Macmillan actually do a service where they do a discounted will writing service, which is really cool. So that was really nice. Yeah, def definitely best to just make sure everything's safe, like for your for your partner and your loved ones, just to know that when it is your time, they will be safe. I think that is a, a good question for a nurse to ask. Like, do you require help with writing a will if you need to write one again? Instead of just being like, what are you scared about? It's like, yeah, funny well, enough, that's not on here. Wow. Wow. Then hmm. again, is this a is this like a, an end of life care nurse, or is this more a sort of like first, you know, this treatment? Because um, <laughs> then it might not be appropriate. Chemo, chemo um, support slash okay. end of life. That oh. that kind of like into what's the word that I'm looking for? Yeah, whatever. The the, the in between kind of like we're going from chemo to term, you know. 
End transitional. Yeah. Transition. Yes. That's what yes. I was trying to. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's not on here. There's a. Do you have any regrets? And uh, what does a good death mean to you? What does a good death mean to me? Well, on my feet with an axe. <laughs> Preferably in mutual death with an enemy. That's cool. That's what I'm thinking. It's like a it happened in the parking lot. Like <laughs> today is a good day to die. You know, it's it's that, that kind of thing. But I mean, wow. I always say like um, a good life is its own reward. That that's always what I say. A good life is its own reward in the sense of you know you do something for a charity or you help educate someone or you 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 give more than you take. That is its own reward. The death is there's no such thing as a good death. No. Death I mean, is messy, it's gross, it's yeah. the same as childbirth, really. You can uh, avoid your bowels, and yeah, <laughs> someone's gonna, oh, someone else is going to have to clear it up. Yeah, it's, it is that thing. It's like, it's, it's knowing that, um, you know, I think about it, and the only, I would normally say, fast and dramatic would be good, but then that'd be really traumatic. You don't get to say goodbye to anyone. But then you think, oh, well, in that case, what if it's slower so I can slowly say goodbye and do this? Then, what, then everyone else watches you slowly fade away and die crap there is no good death say goodbye immediately fired out of a cannon <laughs> all i can say is fighting one yeah. fight one where you're fighting fighting to survive brilliant that's great valhalla awaits yeah um there's a bunch about like what cultural beliefs sustain you and um what role has faith played in your illness and I have cursed God that I don't believe in every day for this. Like, for... it's the I'm like I'm an atheist, but there every, if there is a God, he can ask me Fuck for them. forgiveness. Fuck <laughs> them. <laughs> he can ask me for forgiveness for childhood cancer, starvation, um, you know, disabilities for people that have done nothing. Like literally, like I mean, I'm all, I'm all for uh, punishment if someone's been bad, but come on, there are kids out there who who die young for no reason. I can't believe there's a God because of that. So for me, I'm like, I've got no faith. I'm anti-theist more than anything. So it's like, don't, I'm not. It's not, it's not, there is no, there is no faith. I'm not spiritual. I'm like, nah. Yeah. So the two questions that I do actually want to bring up, uh, um, the last two, and uh, uh, then we'll move on to Paige's question. Um, what does your illness mean to you? And what is the meaning of your life? What does my illness mean to me? Oh, it's going to kill me. Cool. It's really inconvenient. It ruined my life, really. Shortened it massively. Mm. Um, mm, what does my life mean? What does my life mean? Well, we're only on this planet to do biologically one thing, aren't we? <laughs> really? <laughs> Did um, you fuck if, enough? If you That's can. A... <laughs> Is there an enough? Have a list is there enough? Girls, would you like said list? <laughs> it's just like, is there enough? Um, I'm not honest. It's like, I mean, does anyone, anyone ever say, actually, you know what? No, thank you. I think I have enough. <laughs> actually, I'm okay. <laughs> it's like, actually, you know what? I think, I think I've waded through enough of it, personally. Like, no, no one's, no one's gonna, no one's gonna say that, are they? Like, it just. <laughs> Of all things, like no, there's not enough. But no, I just don't think like my life means to me. Like I said, a good life is its own reward, and I can look at it and be like, you know what? I spend a lot of time teaching martial arts. 
um probably more hours than i ever put into training for it so i probably spent more time teaching it which is great i've done vlogs which hopefully will make an impact i've raised money for charity which is again good positive and there is in fact a research award named after me by the british thyroid foundation and that to me is a good life that's enough i'm like that is what my life means to me the good stuff these like questions that a, a, a chaplain or a faith leader or maybe not a therapist but i'm thinking you know a, a support person in the hospital might come and ask to try and help you think a little bit more about these mm. things not a nurse who i would be hoping would be a bit more pragmatic and a bit more well at least would know if you're religious before they ask these questions and i i do understand very much that these nurses are overworked massively and underpaid but these questions don't feel like they're actually going to get them to the answers they need in the time they have oh they don't really care about the answer no it's more it's kind of like a i'm asking these questions because i've got this list that tells me to ask them and so i'm going to ask them and then you give answers and then they're not equipped to, to deal with those answers no because they are they're a bit of a philosophical debate or if you're someone like me i'll be like you need to fucking stop the questions mm. now mm-hmm. right please stop just give me the resource pamphlet that tells me how I can get help, and that's what I need. Because mm. I actually took time to write this, and you know, yeah. just give me the thing for the side effects. Yeah, g- give me that, and then just I don't know a website where I can find how to write a will, and you know where I need to do this yeah. thing. You give know. me practical help. Yeah, mm. like just give me some. You know, point in the direction of things that actually yeah. are useful, rather than yeah. trying to ask me about what my life means. I don't need to consider if there's wrath on the other end right now. I'm dealing with this. Like, yeah. I'm constipated. I don't need God right now. <laughs> I'm constipated <laughs> and angry and I'm not afraid to use it. Honestly, I might be calling out for God, but it's because I'm pooping. Yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. Oh. Anyway. Yeah, like, if it's the time I need you, you don't show up, then I don't expect you later. Yeah. Seriously. Like, <laughs> so. The question that I wanted to ask you actually just touched on a little bit there. It's just um, what charities would you recommend supporting or people support? Say they've watched this or heard this podcast and they're like, I want to do uh, a charity event on Twitch uh, to support a cancer charity. Obviously, there are a lot of charities who line their own pockets, unfortunately. Unfortunately, we've heard some very shitty things in the LGBTQIA plus community this week about uh, a hate group being given charity status. So I would like to know what are good charities in your lived experience to support for people like you? Um, so I actually have a charity that I support, my chosen charity, um, which is the British Thyroid Foundation. I They were literally the first thing that I found on the internet when I was first diagnosed. I went there, they had lots of information. I read through it. I found it really helpful. And so they're people I have chosen to support and I've raised um, probably about £22,000 for them in total. Um, and I would always recommend people go to them. Um, I'm a patron of them now, actually. So they are they are the charity that I choose because it's correct. <laughs> and all that kind of like, um, I'm obliged to say. Also the Butterfly Thyroid Trust as well, which is a good one here in the UK. Um, they're, they're fantastic. I've spoken to the, um, the, the CEO of them, like called up on the telephone, had a chat when she heard about me and heard about my story. Um, like really really helpful really informative and just finding out that everyone's experience is different it's been really good um i would always say if you want to support a charity pick a pick something local and meaningful to you 
um, especially with cancer research. People go, oh, Cancer Research UK, I'll go for them. Don't, don't do that. Um, look at a local hospice. That's a really fantastic, fantastic place to go. Look at a local hospice. They will value the funds so much more and, and it, you'll do so much more with those funds that you raise for them. That's I, my, that's I, I also endorse the thyroid charities just mentioned. Maybe or maybe not because I also have like, you know, hyperthyroidism and <laughs> those guys have been awesome in giving information. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the stuff we really want to hear. That's why I like supporting charities that I have, that I know people have lived experience with. It's, it's why, you know, slight side tangent, but why special effects mean so much to me because they're so open and honest and you know what your money will actually do and who it will actually help. So I think personal recommendation for things like charity is incredibly important. And yeah. Especially that considering I've, I've raised this £20,000 for, for them and they're doing a £20,000 research award with it. So I know all of that money that has been raised is going to a research a research um, project based around thyroid cancer. You never see that in a large charity. So I mean, that's brilliant. That's beautiful to see. Right. Um, someone put in a, a, a last minute question of um, would you donate your body to science to maybe help other cancer patients? Um, yeah, I would. I mean, I'm not using it anymore. So <laughs> why not? Um, obviously, there's a talk about organ donation and stuff like that. I can't do that. Um, my, I, it's class of being systemic. So it's all of my tissue could be infected or it could still be isolated. We don't know. So I can't go and give it away. But um, I've always said, I've always ticked the, ticked the box saying you can use my images for research purposes and teaching purposes because it can only help. Um, I think the only exception would be is that like my family would have final say with with what happens after I'm gone. Like it's great for me to say, nope, chop me up and spread me out. But then you don't they may not get the same level of closure that they might need because of that. I don't I don't know. It's uh, not my decision for that reason. Fair enough. I've always been for uh donating uh, uh body to medical science. Uh um when I go, that's what I want done, because, uh, like, I mean, at the end of the day, um, even if you're just a, 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 for medical students to learn, uh, like, anatomy, it's, it's still something that's helping produce uh, people, more people that can help uh, others, and, I mean, it's just a meat sack. What, what are you going to do with it? And also, you want to put it in the ground and just let it decay for, like, yeah, get some use out of it. Great, yeah. Get some fucking use out of it. Right. Last of all, the most important question mm. that everyone has all been waiting for. Yes. What the fuck is with the guy riding a cat? That's not a guy. That's me. That's number one. Sorry, so, you. Yeah, so <laughs> there we go. Mirror image. Um, that's me in in my in my um glory as um the ployed, which comes down to Elite Dangerous and our faction. Ployed stands for the present leader of independent dictatorship because we're an independent dictatorship. I'm the present leader and I run it with an iron fist or a golden axe. And uh hence the golden armor, because the ployed loves gold. 
because I have a gold ship. Um, and this is, this was uh, Clive, who is my cat, um, which we had up until last year. Um, but he uh, he uh, developed a heart condition, which is a bit crap. So hypertrophic cardiomyopathy with a really large freaking blood clot in. So um, he is my, he was my best bud. We uh, had him since he was this big um, and I lived on my own. I got him and then um, we, uh, uh, my wife moved over to here, over here. And then he didn't know what to do because suddenly there were two people. Uh, he's people, obviously he was people um, that wanted my attention, but then he, then he loved her as much. And it was, we were the Ma in the Pa. And then um, it came a point where, you know, at some point, um, Turgeon Starstone, who is um, a, you know, a well-known member of the Elite Dangerous community, came up with this and sent it to me. And that was around the time of my um, crappy diagnosis, sent it to me. It was like, here you go, Battle Cat. And um, yeah, Clive was always Battle Cat. And um, yeah, I'd be riding him into battle because that, that would be his idea of heaven, I'm sure. You know, if there was one, as ridiculous as it may be, Cat Heaven is this. Is it not taking your <laughs> taking your love donor into battle yeah. with an axe? Oh, John in the chat says yeah. Clive forever riding into battle in Catala. <laughs> yeah, Clive, Clive was was a beautiful cat. He was Clive um, was a baby. He was lovely. He was um, super fluffy, and he he got sick very quick. So I appreciate they didn't suffer too much, but he made it really hard to treat. Because I had to give him tablets and he wouldn't swallow tablets. Wow. He wouldn't eat tablets. You couldn't grind it up. He just wouldn't touch his food. Yep. We're to the point where we had to grind it into a paste, put it on my finger, and then grab hold of him and like shove my finger <laughs> in his mouth and <laughs> scrape it on the inside of his inside of his um, cheek. Yeah. And then his mouth would foam and he'd be like, and he'd go Also, cats with foaming mouths are actually hilarious to watch, but also at the same time, it's traumatic. It's so sticky and disgusting. (laughs) Both my cats have heart murmurs. One of them is stupid, and he doesn't give a shit if you need to give him a medication. My other cat has literally left me bleeding for like half an hour because she, she tore open a vet's hand once. They brought me the cat back. It's just dripping, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, oh no! Uh, he, he used to shake his head as well. So oh. we, we're still finding little bits, little globules of medicine, like up no. the wall and stuff. <laughs> yeah. and it's, oh, dear. Um, Strigger yeah. is allergic to uh, worming treatment, mm-hmm. which we found out when um, we put on the, the the dose of worming treatment, and she ran into the bedroom and just went. It was quite dramatic and hilarious and also terrifying at the same time, and I thought I'd killed the cat. Um... (laughs) I I know you have to put, like, kind of like rolling up fish and chips, you have to put her on a blanket and then just roll and tuck, and then she will get a claw out. Yeah, but she will get a claw out, even through the blanket Mm. if she has. She's an absolute nightmare. My God. Yeah. Thankfully, Alfred, who is our kitten, he will... Um, I gave him a worming tablet and I put, put, put a couple of dreamies in my hand, held it out he ate all the dreamies, left the, left the worming tablet and went, oh yeah, and then just ate it oh, for God's sake. <laughs> like it was nothing I was like, in future I'm just going to give him the worming tablets and be done with it like, so easy, total, total idiot oh dear total idiot, but I will take it as a win yeah, yeah. right 
Well, um, we've definitely gone over our time here, but um, it was very much, uh, I feel, needed. Um, thank you so much for for spending your time here and telling us about your story. Um, I, as we've said repeatedly, yes. Before we end, so, sorry, sorry, uh, sorry. I was Mr. saying Black. it to Plater, by the way. Sorry, I wasn't. Sorry, Miss <laughs> I just wanted to say that a, a certain Crow Brown might be in the chat and that I think we should giggle about it for just a second. Yeah, it's scored, <laughs> mate. I've, I told them about the Code Brown story from Fantastic One. <laughs> um, in detail. Reasonable detail. I'm going to be sure that any time I send you a present, an extra roll of Lou Roll comes along with it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, told them all about the Code Brown. And anyone who's missed it, you'll have to obviously listen to the whole of the podcast listen later on podcast, yeah <laughs> indeed indeed which will be up on uh anchor um when we um manage to edit it and when i say we i mean sigh um yeah. <laughs> but yes okay now can i can i go back to my emotional like thanking of of the i'm sorry i just wanted to talk about shit one last time okay <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for bringing your constipated ass here today. Um, may you shit gloriously in your future. Uh... I bet that's the ending you expected, mate. Well, I mean, to be honest, I, I'm, I'm in the other direction these days, so... Uh, may you I mean, shit normally. Shit yeah. yeah, God, that would be nice. Like... <laughs> The Poodcast. <laughs> oh, please don't! It will it will all go downhill uh, uh, from here on. Um, but no, as as we say very often, your time is a valuable resource, and that you would spend some of that with us is more than appreciated. And I'm sure chat share our sentiment in in being very appreciative of you sharing your story and and talking very candidly with us about it um is there anything that you would like to say to everyone before we sign off if you find a lump check it don't be a chicken oh <laughs> i can work I, I can make that a catchphrase somewhere can, so, can. it's like yeah don't don't be a chicken. Check your lumps. Um, but like seriously though, because it will it will save your life. Even if it's also stop be worrying about it because you might find it's nothing, and that's good too. So go do that. And I will say thank you for having me as well. Thank you for thinking that what I have to say is valuable enough to you know be out there and other people to hear it. It's great what 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 you're doing with this. So um, and also other people's stories as well and what other people are going through. I think it's fantastic to hear as well. It's a real learning thing for everybody it's good yeah we very much appreciate you being here and obviously without any suicides we wish you the best for whatever comes and if you need anything of us you just let us know but if not then we won't ask you so that you can keep your spoons <laughs> just constipation tips it'd be fine <laughs> <laughs> if, if you ever want to talk about your our mutual constipation or shitting uh, <laughs> endeavors we're here <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you need us to send some ice lollies or anything, we can sort that out as well. <laughs> Rocket lollies are very good. Good to know. Right, can I get a shout out 
for Commander Plater and Paige, my co-host in the podcast. As I said, um, the podcast, previous episodes are already up there. Um, yeah. But this episode once um, uh, we get it sorted will be up soon and I'll update on Twitter when that happens. Um, but yes, thank you guys so much for joining us for this podcast. Um, if you'd like to keep in contact outside of the podcast and stream, follow on the Twitters and the Instagrams. I'm sure you guys have have various YouTubes and and such forth. If you'd like to, if someone would like to put those in the in the chat as well. But yes. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, if, uh, yeah, my brain just kind of collapsed there in on itself. Um, yeah. Oh, also in a month's time, um, through our eyes, um, 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 big stream. Yeah, sorry, my my brain's gone now. It's it's signed off. Yes, so uh, Saturday the 22nd of May will be the BIPOC, so B-I-P-O-C, Black Indigenous People of Colour edition of the Through Our Eyes stream. It will be a big charity stream. It'll be another 10 hours because I am a glutton for punishment. And, Why uh, do you do this to yourself? Oh, because it's actually a lot of fun and I get to nap for a few days. <laughs> so, you know. Um, you could just nap for a few days, you know. No, I must work myself to the bone shut and... Uh, Yes, it, it's going to be a very important conversation, especially around, without going into massive detail, some of the things that have happened around the world in the last week, even. And so I hope you will join us for that. It will be hosted on twitch.tv slash Arthramus. Uh, and we have five different hosts joining us as well. But all that information will be going up across the next month. Right. Well, thank you, guys. Have a good rest of your evening and day. Have a good rest of your week. And mm. I will see you guys soon. Say <laughs> bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> bye, all.